0: Well, wow. 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 there's there's already some listeners. There's there's ten listeners right now.
1: You do good on downloads, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. They got
0: two two or three thousand downloads. That's good. This one will get more. Yours get more all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, they put signs up for you outside.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: They, they put signs up for Nick. Nick Lec- read for and lectured this way. <laughs> they stuck them over the other the other con- convention sign.
2: Well, oh, that's very anarchistic. Did yeah. You see.
0: No, but but the
1: article where they quoted me on the front page of the newspaper. No, oh oh, well, it was on the Roswell Daily Record. Mm -hmm. But the article where they had me quoted all about Roswell that came out on the Friday morning. I actually didn't do my Roswell lecture till ten a.m. Friday that day. What they did, they quoted and misquoted me. Where in the, the lecture they actually commented on was one where I was talking about the supernatural. And I also touched on time travel and holograms, oh, for alternative theories for UFOs, huh. but they applied all that to to Roswell. It was like probably nobody noticed. Well, it. I did.
2: How <laughs> are you? No. It was just Damn. bizarre. <laughs> uh, no, the the whole extraterrestrial <laughs> thing is not. I'm playing
0: uh, the intro on my Viable
2: solution to this.
1: <laughs> we we need. Oh. to go f- sure, through a turning uh, uh, point uh, in the study of, of this whole domain.
0: And I'll move they the from computer idea. over here in the middle of us. We're not here
1: to prove that, that we're being visited by <laughs> you know, aliens from <laughs> this <laughs> planet or that star. That may very well be true,
2: but we have not done uh, basic uh, work. Job. I am just hunched that, um, that, this, that this phenomenon is... Um, Comes from,
3: comes from some sort of domain of pure information. And the fact that they can interact with us at all suggests that uh, that we inhabit a domain that's also pure information.
4: Are we a long ago condition Yes.
0: <laughs> Peter knew what this was the first time I interviewed him. Yeah.
5: I not it's the bad cool. taste of being only
0: I can't run um, iTunes and the microphone at the same time, so I'm playing it this way. We are all interested
5: in the future, (laughs) for that is where you and I (laughs) are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the The
4: mysterious, mysterious, the unexplainable. unexplainable. That is why you are here. And And now now for for the first time,
5: we are
2: bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. Mm -hmm. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the
4: secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the
5: places, (laughs) my friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let
2: us reward the innocent. My friend Can your heart
5: stand The shocking facts About Radio radio
0: We'll do the fade out Okay We'll move We'll move base of operations over here Where it's more centrally located
2: To the east wing of the studio
0: Yeah yeah and the microphone there, and the um, Peter, you want to move the, uh, the your reading
2: room sandwich snacks? They know, they're they're coming. <laughs> <makeup>. They're coming <laughs> eventually. Oh, right, Can you move your? Um, I guess. <laughs>
0: I'll <laughs> move it. Oh, that that's what I, No, not move your ass. Move your. Move your <laughs> I. I
2: <laughs> you know, that's what, what I'm of, used to. One
3: of my favorite parts from the Ed Wood movie is when uh, it was like Jeffrey Jones. I guess he plays uh, Criswell. It's yeah, Donnie Depp, you know, that what I NASA. made it up. He says he says uh <laughs> he, he says well, where did you uh, how did you know we're going to be living on Mars in in a few in, in in the year 2000. He says I made it up. It's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh there
0: is a there is a song that May West sung called Criswell Predicts.
2: No way. <laughs> yes,
0: there is. I've known that. <laughs> I don't know how I found out. But yeah, I guess Criswell and May West were friends. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And when she was old and living in that in that uh big penthouse by herself in the middle of LA and uh she Every year, she would sell Criswell her old Cadillac for one dollar. She'd have a she'd have a Cadillac for one year, and then after having it a year, she'd sell it to Criswell for a dollar. So he always had a new Cadillac. She always had a new Cadillac,
6: brand new Cadillac.
0: (laughs) Yeah, brand new Cadillac, courtesy of May West. So,
5: (laughs) great. That woman a class to to spare. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, We're at the Roswell shindig, wingding, whatever the hell it's called, 2017, 70th. Anniversary. Hanging um, at the Baymont Inn. Huh? Hanging at the Baymont Inn. Yeah, Mont the Bay, Baymont. is. <laughs> that, I can never remember the name of this place. It's Bayon, <laughs> Bay, 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 Back Bay, <laughs> Bay, yeah. Bay, Bay, <laughs> Bay at the Moon Inn. Um, right on Main Street. Uh, uh, let's see. One, two, three, four of the speakers are here today. And um, uh, actually, you know what? Introduce yourselves. I, I won't do it. Uh, maybe we can start
3: with uh, Adam. Host of Conspiranormal. That's right. Adam said Conspiranormal here in Roswell last night. to uh, Got to meet these guys. Greg, Nick, finally. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Jack. And everybody Everybody in here is on the show except for smiles. But, like I said, that will be
4: rectified. woo
0: Yeah, I'm trying to see if uh, could, if somebody can do me a favor here that's listening, one of the listeners, give me a sound check, make sure that we're actually being heard. I don't know. Oh, we got... Look at the listeners. That is more listeners than I've had since the Roswell Slides show. Wow. Roswell Slides, I had 32. How many you got? 27. Yeah. Must
6: be just coming through because they're still listening. Uh, Clockwise, Miles. Uh, That's Miles Lewis, and we're transmitting Radio Mysterioso live through and on the radio as usual. And um, glad to uh, meet the folks I hadn't met. The person to my left, take it away.
4: Hi, listeners. Jack Brewer here. And, <laughs>
5: <laughs> and um,
0: author of I'm the grades have been framed. All
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, yeah, yeah. We're gonna say we later. should yeah, we uh, should call up Lom. Uh, uh, Peter Robbins, investigative writer, airdropped in from central New York State. And Nick uh, Nicky.
0: I know. We'll
2: wait. We'll wait. That's
0: fine. You, 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 we'll wait listen. for no. Just yeah, We'll oh. wait for you. He's got. <laughs> he's got a sweet.
1: Okay. Little red fern. Me. Sorry, I'm eating a sweet right now. um What's, yeah. a, what's a sweet? A candy. A candy. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was speaking about Roswell from alternative angles that weren't extraterrestrial. Yeah. Uh, what well, the. Uh, That's
3: <laughs>
5: and,
3: and, and, and telling Nazis to f off. Oh,
1: no, yeah. yeah. And okay. na- I'm
0: going to tell you a Nazi to fuck off. Yeah, a, a guy came up to the table. What happened, Nick? Please tell us that before we go into any of this, because this was the highlight of the conference, at least down at the Roswell <laughs> The uh, Ultimate Iconic Mall, post.
1: yeah. Well, basically what happened was that um, a guy came up to me to debate the subject of um, Roswell and UFOs and said, you know, do you buy into all this Crap or whatever he said, I said, well, yeah, actually, I do, and blah 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 blah, and then he got more and more progressively confrontational, and so I basically said uh, when he got to the point where there was an attempt, as you'll remember, Adam, yeah. to justify <laughs> or, or to or to suggest that the the Nazis were misunderstood, uh-huh. that they were a, just defending their country, um, if, yeah, right. after they invaded Poland, just following um,
5: orders, yeah. yeah. Right.
1: And hit that's it, like, when it, I decided it. enough was enough. And he was kind of stood there like... And I said, look, fuck off. Like, and he kept going. going. Yeah, A he kept bit. going. was like, fuck off. And then... Um, <laughs> guy, You don't have to be like that. Yeah, and Guy was
0: like... Oh, the other side. And he was like,
5: whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. <laughs> so somewhere on one of those uh, speakers' uh, Probably, recordings, you're oh, going to hear in the background, and then, fuck off,
5: fuck off, yeah, fuck well, off. it'll be yeah. the very first one,
1: because it then was the was very first one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then there was a third fuck off. Oh, and, yeah. and then there was a fourth fuck off. Yes. And he finally went he and finally sat in the corner of the room. Yeah. But, I mean, it was just... I mean, I don't care. I was ready for a fight, you know. It, was, only, like, oh, it was like yeah, being back
2: in during school. World War <laughs> Two. I, I, mean, I thought
1: it was, I was hoping going to be like school, you know. We'd all go outside and be like, fight, fight, <laughs> fight, 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 fight. Yeah. I, mean, it was, it I was, was this, this And was I'm sitting here busily,
0: it. like, texting. And I'm like, oh, this is getting...
1: <laughs> <intense>. oh, <God." laughs> oh, no. But it was a good way. I mean, it was, it was a good way to start the conference. I thought, if, you know, if the rest of it goes like this, we're right. in for an interesting conference.
5: Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that we, was an
0: interesting moment. We were at the 70 years later modern challenges to the extraterrestrial hypothesis Ooh. put on by our a good friend and sponsor, Guy Malone. Ooh-hoo. Thank you. Um, there, were, there was a confusing plethora. Plethora. I think I know. I, like I think, plethora. That, I think I, that word means what I think it means. Uh, of different conferences, one put on by the Roswell Daily Record, one put on by the uh, International UFO Museum. And Research and, Center. And Research Center, yes. Which, you know, Miles went in there and he found old copies of Excluded Middle in their files. I love it. They've got, got the greatest archive in library, management. When I was there in 2007, um, for, the, for the 60th, I went in there. I could not find Project Beta. And I said, <laughs> this Research oh, Center sucks. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and he showed me that. I said, okay, they're all right then. Now they're fine. But uh, um, one was, uh, we don't have any of the people here that were at the um, the Roswell Daily Record. No, and we I'm, don't. And I'm the only representative of the conference
2: sponsored by the International UFO Museum yes. and Research center. And there
6: was the fourth location, which I gather was the city because it was their city convention center.
2: Yeah. What, did they borrow from the museum people? Yes. I, the, because
6: that's, that's, all the, that's where you spoke. Yeah. Uh, this oh morning. yeah, no the
2: the uh, conference uh, the uh, convention center, visitor center uh, was used by the museum folks too. The place is huge. Oh man, the numbers.
0: I hope we're I hope people are still listening to us and can hear us.
2: <laughs> well,
0: is
4: there any word on when they... Town organizers will change all the logos to reflect the Japanese.
6: Progeria. Instead of the, nah,
5: nah.
4: Yeah, and, and POWs and whatnot wow. instead of the
0: alien logo. Yeah, we were thinking it, all over fun. town there'd be pictures of like, you know, balloons on the ground and progeria faces instead of flying saucers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: maybe a neighborhood. I don't know if the whole town's going to go for
6: Yeah, it. we could they could section off the town into uh, belief <laughs> types, you know. <laughs> east side, west side, represent.
0: Yeah. Okay, people are hearing us. Uh uh John says sounds like Bill Cooper at the Vegas convention <laughs> all day at Vegas convention. <laughs> I'm going to uh, get a fire hose. Yep. God. No, that was uh that was Bill English God. who was yelling at Bill Moore and saying, "I'm going to get a fire hose" and ran out the back door. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, the Bills are getting a lot of promotion tonight.
0: Yeah, a lot of Bills.
6: There used to be a lot
0: more of them. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, so the, there was our convention, which was kind of an anti-ETH convention sponsored by people who are anti-ETH because they think that they're not ETs, that they're demons. As, oh, right. Yeah. Or dimension. You remember that in oh, 2007,
2: Peter? Absolutely, absolutely. We had some interesting debates about the subject. Yeah. And for uh, it's the minions of Satan, basically. There's no other interpretation. Yes. The funny, but the thing
0: is, they. Um, when Guy called me and said, "Do you want to speak?" I said, um, "What do I have to say?" He said, "You don't have to say whatever you want. Say we will not tell you what to say. You can say anything you like. Um, we're totally on board with anything you want to say." I like, "Okay, then will the come." The
2: lightning will come through the ceiling and kill yes, you if you exactly. say anything.
0: Well, at one point during the, they had a uh, a um, speakers panel at the end. Yeah. And Joe Jordan said, "Of course, he said, you know, you know, they're demons, and if you use, if you call upon the Lord and all that, you, you, it will stop." Mm. And no, nope, you know, I'm. What am I going to do? Change his mind? So I, I don't. I think that's a belief. I said, "Look, I'm not Again. into belief based anything." I do not have a fixed belief on anything. Fixed beliefs on moral issues, of course. Don't hurt people. Don't kill them. Don't steal from. But some people. Yeah. Some people. The
3: first question that I threw out because I got to moderate. Yeah, yeah. uh, Adam, moderate. So, so the first question that I threw out, and I I don't know if if I made myself clear enough because I was really trying to say these high strangeness um, happenings, whether or not that's something that just seems so random, like the case we talked about today. Uh, when we did our interview earlier about the the guy in Poland, you know the story that you talked yeah. about Young so like, so, like you know, a, a perfect case where you have this really high strangeness it 's just weird it 's just random i mean is that a, is is that really demonic or is that just some random weird shit yeah and I was trying to get i was that's what I was trying okay. to get out yeah. of everybody it the be, like, be like let's it yeah. was a, it was a common ground thing, I think guy right. understood it, but yes, he kind of felt like. Like once it got over to Joe and a few other people, Well, there, a couple it of them said, you know, is, they
0: were saying, if you call on these things, you're calling problems into your life. And I, and I had to say something. I said, I want people to call them up. <laughs> I said, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I want them yeah. to do it. And I was talking to Nick later in the same way that you're not going to send everybody into space. You're no. going to send a qualified, brave person that knows what they're doing.
2: Well, that's an and then
0: they idea. can come back and tell you what happened. So that's kind of my model for that. But I I, I had to say something. It's like, you, you know, if you're going to be afraid to do something, you're never going to find out about it. Yeah. But it it's um, often, and yeah, it could screw you over. But it's, I think <laughs> it
6: is good if for anybody that's, that's dealing with the abduction phenomenon to know that there are groups of researchers who seem to have discovered that some people seem to be able to stop these things by doing certain things right, and it right. May not work for everybody but it's like for the people who right. want it to stop give them something yeah
5: and, if it and works and it works yeah. i mean
6: if you've got an anti-christian
0: whatever that's your problem um and i had i think i had more of one earlier in life and as you get older you're like yeah whatever you know if everybody's nice to each <laughs> other i don't give a shit what they say well well I'll,
3: I'll, I'll and like i like you said if it if it works it works i'll say this from like the like you know you know like I said at the panel yesterday I am a Christian but it's like I've, I've kind of you know I used to really buy into the whole demon thing I, I still don't rule it out necessarily right but you I don't, don't rule it out but either. I but I don't think that that's all it is right. and so it, it it eventually just becomes the fact I that I think that. the possibility that even if there's this idea of like what Joe Jordan talks about like Calling on the name of Jesus, if that's a therapeutic stop, mean, if that's a therapeutic yeah. means to make it stop, then and it, it's it's purely psychological. Okay, I accept it. I mean, that's I think good. It was it, good I, for those
6: people. I think I I first heard that through Ann Druffle. wasn't that, Wasn't she uh, one of the first to, to that would make sense? Yeah, yes. she's she a devout, devout Catholic. Oh, okay, yeah. And, yeah. In fact,
0: I remember she would come to the L.A. MUFON meetings, and one meeting somebody came with a, an Immaculate Conception T-shirt with an Alien Mary and an Alien oh, Jesus. I've seen that. It's and she beautiful. said, if you sell those T-shirts here, I will not come. And the, the management said, people can sell whatever they want here. And she said, okay, and she never came back.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're most comedy. likely to invoke terrible circumstances if you call on UFOcon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> writers and authors and researchers. <laughs> not demons. But.
0: What happened? Um, how, how, what was this? I did go down and check out the museum. I saw some people I knew, Ron Regehr, who I haven't seen in a while, yeah. uh, Cliff Mahoudi, who I'm great friends with. We He's never talk about UFOs. We talk about everything but. He's so much
6: more. The, the Native American who got up and... Yes. Sp- okay, I, I yeah. was misidentifying him earlier. Uh-huh.
0: And um, I saw um, Don Schmidt and uh, Tom Carey, Tom and Ken. I didn't say yep. anything to them. I
6: tackled him. <laughs> I tackled him.
0: <laughs> and uh, Stan, who I talked to for a little bit, but didn't get enough time. Peter Ooh. was there. Yeah. I didn't talk to Travis Walton. I didn't want to talk to Daryl Sims. And uh, who else? Oh, Alejandro came over. Rojas yeah. came over and visited. Yeah.
2: So... That's not a bad round of
6: folks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw uh, Marcel the Third and uh, give a lecture at the museum, um, hmm. and I also saw Travis Walton speak uh, at the museum. Those were the two lectures I saw there spent a lot of time exploring and phot- photographing the, the wonderful research side where there were no people, no crowd there. Nobody Sadly. wants to go in there. Nobody wants to open their mind and read something. Yeah, Of course, it's a museum, whatever. But uh, <laughs> you know, I was, like I told you, much more impressed with it than I had been before. Yeah. Um, they've continued expanding it. It's really, it really looks like a really good resource. Oh, yeah. and, uh, was David Marler at the museum one, or was he at the Sally Sallyport.
0: Sally was he? Court, yeah. Okay.
2: No, no wonder I didn't see him would do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Working as a speaker at the museum, um, the only downside is that, um, understandably, we're obligated to be available to anybody that visits, chat, and things. So we don't get to hear any of the talks. But um, otherwise, I had a good time. The museum looks sharper and better than it has in years. Um, I'm Gord's really... Gortzner? I was facing Gordon. I had the best spot. I watched hundreds of people photographed in front of Gordon couples, tiny children, animals. Uh, And that is the ultimate Gordon. I mean, who wouldn't want that for the living room? Damn, that is an amazing piece of work.
6: And then the, there's the, the smoke belching light uh, flashing. Uh, yeah, when yeah, I, when I was spins, in, yeah. uh, when I was in listening to Walton, every once in a while the room would rumble and, and there'd be this. Whoosh, and he, at the very first time it happened, he like kind of stopped and looked in the direction like, what the <laughs> hell is, that? "Is it happening again?" Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and you know, just interestingly, because I remember uh, uh, Kathleen uh, during the panel discussion. Um, reported what I have heard, that a lot of, uh, a majority of abductees, when asked if they would end the experience, have said no. Walton brought it up on his own in his talk and said, or no, actually some, somebody did ask him. Somebody said, asked him directly. Uh, and he said, he said, yeah, I would prefer it not to have ever happened.
5: Okay. So
6: I was a little startled by it. I I, I kind of felt he he seems like he's come to terms with it. But I think it's kind of like we were talking about, you know, what whatever the end result of uh, somebody who goes through
2: that, you know, mm-hmm. that's a lot to, to deal with, and it's still Especially surprising. Especially in his case, um, a thing some, that some people forget or don't know is, do you think for a moment if a logger disappeared in rural Arizona that it would ever get out of the regional news cycle, the fact was these guys said, let's tell <clears throat> the truth to law enforcement, our friend was abducted by a flying saucer, the cops had a little problem with it. Uh, They thought maybe there was some foul play, and the wire service picked up on it. And so even before Travis was back in little snowflake, Arizona, journalists, national, international, flooded the town. Alien abduction, murder, and years and years of, you know, um, having to deal with this. I think he's come through it brilliantly. He's got real character. He's a great speaker. I've heard him begin talks like, if it was you up here telling me, that this happened to you, I'd think you were crazy or a liar, too. <laughs> that mm-hmm. understood. Yeah. Yeah. Having, what
3: do you, having met Travis, uh, it, he's just a really down to earth ordinary guy. He's I mean, a great just, guy. Yeah.
2: He's a very nice person. Well, he's very
1: reserved. He's not someone right. who's like right, really no running effect. out of public. He's it's definitely not no an attention seeker.
6: Yeah. I, even during that same panel discussion, um, he, he was the most reserved. I was surprised. People ask why mom. he goes to all these conventions if he's not an attention no, seeker. Really I think because it
0: kind of helps his. He actually gets income from it. I talked to him and a girlfriend once. It's like, well, it actually helps his income, strangely enough. You yeah. know, not a lot, but it's a little bit well, more I mean, money. He speaks in. more regularly than Yeah, Miles.
6: yeah, That's and everybody wants cool. to see him come speak. I'm sorry, Miles, I interrupted you. Oh, just, just, I was surprised that there weren't more questions directed at him. Hmm. And just watching his demeanor, he he just seems very withdrawn. He's comfortable
2: in his own skin, but he is kind of shy in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I have no but when he smiles, right. is, he's is a really, he's a really nice yeah. person. And uh, what you see is what you get with him. Really? What do you think happened to him? I think what happened to him was what he said happened to him, that he was taken. That he was in the wrong place at the wrong time for years. A lot of us visualized, you know, two aliens at a control panel, him jumping up, they push a button, bang, boom, and that's it. What a lot of us have kind of evolved to think over the years rather independently, and he too, is these machines, which we feel this was, are so advanced that they have their own android qualities, their own reactive things. That he moved, it shot out a bolt. He flew by the accounts that I've had meeting with the guys that are left alive in the crew, between 12 and 15 feet, landed on his back, steam coming off him, not moving a muscle. Mike Rogers, dear friend, crew chief behind the wheel, reflexively gunned the engine, stopped a couple hundred yards down the road, the guys screaming at each other, talking, crying. They go back. He's gone. It's gone. The weather in uh, the Sitgraves National Forest at that time in November, he would have died of exposure at night. Phil Class, he was in a cabin somewhere. They did it for publicity. I visited that spot. The Sitgraves National Forest is over half a million acres. It spans three states. You are out there in the middle of fuck all nowhere. And in the documentary that Jennifer Stein made, which I think is a really fine documentary that I'm proud to have been an associate producer on, at one point, I come on as a talking head, and uh, class has said the reason that they made up the story was they had a logging contract and they weren't going to fulfill it, so they needed a story to cover. Yeah, it I remember that one. Yeah. And I come on and say, <clears throat> in the funniest moment of the documentary, I thought, uh, a friend of mine suggested that if they wanted a cover story, they could have said somebody's grandfather died. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Not
6: trying to bizarre yeah. UFO you know, story. Yeah. So he, there's something I, I hadn't realized. He now believes that, that he, 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 he's heavily intimating, hinting that, that he believes he was killed, and that well, they, that his heart
2: him. may have stopped, yeah. and that the responsible intelligence on board took him on board, restored him, and you know, like a tagged animal or somebody that has been, let him go and that was that. I also
6: really appreciated his insights into um, you know I, I've, I remember when Tracy Tormey wrote the letter to the UFO community yeah. apologizing published in the Mufon yeah. journal and I that was like that I had been so angry at that production and and I could only imagine how he felt about it and yeah. somebody asked him and he's like well you know he's so very far the guy. F- yeah, in the fire you know. and sky he's, and he said yeah. he's he, he didn't say he's forgiving but that's clearly he's he's he, he he's, he's quicker to point out its positive aspects yeah. than its negative, which also I think is mm-hmm. a good uh, indicator of his character. But um, though I'm probably the opposite. Uh, but uh, uh, I just oh, he also gives some really good, interesting insights from me from my perspective of like you know here's an example of uh, media attention by such like like he compared his experience with National Geographic to uh, Sci Fi Channel and, and the difference in the approach, and not just like, oh, I think they did a better job than this one, but like going so far as to describe um, how the Sci-Fi Channel interviewer, well, first of all, the whole production was even better and more accurate than the movie as far as like down to details of the uh, uh, the truck type. Some to about The Paranormal Witness. Yes, yeah. which I haven't actually seen, but he says it's online. I'm going to go
3: watch it. Yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah
6: it, it is the story. It is the story as he tells it. And he goes into detail about right. the, the, the interrogation style of the interviewer and how angry it made him and all the other witnesses. and yeah. just and, But ultimately, he says he felt it was actually very productive and made a, it was a much better product at
2: the end mm-hmm. and better storytelling. And the way I understood it from Tracy and from Travis was Tracy working very closely with Travis, tried to write the on-board sequence as accurately as possible. At the time, whoever the st- whatever studio it was, the head of the studio was a guy named Brandon Tartikoff.
5: Mm-hmm. Brandon's
2: claim to fame was he happened to be head of NBC, when a little show called Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Live on, yeah. <laughs> which he had nothing to do with and took all the credit for, was kicked upstairs, and he's a studio head. So they're on location, first few days, it's a multi-million dollar project, a couple of dozen people working on it, certainly. And Tracy gets a call from saying, stop production and rewrite the sequence. And Tracy and Travis get on the phone with them and explain to him, there's no reason to. It's amazing. It will capture you know, people's attention. It's the way it was. He said, no, no. I've seen something like that on TV, we think. It was the CBS Bud Hopkins miniseries, Intruders, yeah. Um, yeah. which was sort of a hybrid of uh, Missing Time and Intruders, starring Richard Crenna as the Bud Hopkins character. And it was quite good. And they that explained to him again, him no, right this is it. the way it was. <laughs> and he said, let me put it this way. If you don't write, in so many words, a cooler, hipper, or scarier, or weirder alien sequences, which brought a weirder aliens... I'm putting the plug in the project. We're going to take the loss. Everybody's out of work. The reason that he ended up writing it as those sticky, icky alien with the film over Travis, hes Travis said, it was more an allegory. Travis said there was oxygen obviously there, but just enough. And he kept going, trying to catch his breath. Um, anyway, that's the way I understand it. And... Uh, I think it's dealt with well in the documentary, Travis, where they have a chance to discuss it. I really want to see that. Um, he did, he also
6: alluded to the the breath part, being that the real, sort, besides the waking up in that kind of a situation and unsure and having and feeling ill from from the electrical bolt or whatever it was. Uh, the, the, he commented on the air thing, which I had forgotten about and. I, you know, I love the film as a horror movie in and of itself. Uh, sure, separated from a
2: a true tale. You know, yeah. yeah. But um, what I really loved about the film was the human element, especially yeah. the guys interfacing with law enforcement. I mean, who doesn't love James Garner as an actor? It was wonderful. And oh, we're talking really, about the original, okay? Yeah, uh, and he really put his heart into it. The real Sheriff Gillespie, who we interview for the documentary was in his 80s when he did the interview and passed about a year and a half ago, uh, about then, uh, he said, well, off camera, when Jennifer asked him how he really felt about the thing, he said, oh, I believed him. What? He said, I believed him. Well, why? I mean, we all thought that, you know, you thought he was, you know, not telling the truth. He said, let me put it this way. I'm law enforcement in a small town in the southwest, uh, a lot of religious people. Um, I can't, I couldn't come out and say that at the time, but I did believe him because not that long beforehand, something happened to me. Hmm. And he didn't go into details, and Jennifer said, Would you be willing to go on camera and talk about that? Of course not. No, he said, I'll consider it. Yeah. And he passed away some math months math. later. Of course, killed by the government just kidding yeah
0: <laughs> okay I'm gonna be contrarian um, <laughs> does anybody know yeah well the only word we have about what happened is Travis himself as far as the onboard stuff yes yes
2: yes yeah so I we don't know what well, happened we to him have then. six guys saying we saw a large hovering dish exactly crap. that's fine I believe bu- I
0: believe them okay. yes okay well, I don't I don't think they were trying to perpetrate a hoax but I don't know what happened to Travis yeah and just and people have survived. Ex- ex- remember that guy that was in uh, Maine that survived those cold winters just by moving around. No. Nope. Oh, he was hiding the he walked away from his job, went went and hid at a place in Maine. This is a story. I maybe, mean, maybe I know because NAP had the guy on okay. uh, the the journalist on. Um, he hid out in a in this little place in Maine, hid out from everybody for about thirty years. No electricity, no gas, no heat. Was in a building? Him, was
2: he in a little house or something? Nope. Just hidden in the woods. Yes,
0: he had I'm he had like him. you know lean twos and things. I know
2: the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
0: he uh, they said how did you survive the winter? And he said I would stay up till I'm not saying this is what Travis. I know, but he would not. that it's not. I'm saying it's survivable. Huh? He said he would get up in the night about two o'clock when it was coldest possible and just start walking until it was warm enough that he could lie down and go to sleep again. He would just keep <sighs> his his metabolism going. So I don't know what happened, to Travis. I believe that he believes. However, I don't know exactly what happened to him. I'm not willing to accept that what he says happened to him. If I was standing in front of him and somebody, I was taken with him, would I have seen the same thing? I don't know. And also he was found – I'm just being contrarian here. I, oh, I know, I know. He was found – and I actually looked That's, at a map between where he, was, where he was zapped and Snowflake or wherever the, the, the phone booth was.
2: Um, just, just about a mile up the road. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So – and it was something, something in the order of about 20 miles, 25 –
2: I think about that, yeah.
0: Yeah. So thats it's not inconceivable you could have walked that distance. I don't know how. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Zapped well, and in a daze. No idea. But the thing is, I there's, there's you know, the, the hole in this that everybody, that somebody that isn't in the UFO community says, is, whose word do we have
2: besides poor Travis's well, word? by that token, there's a hole in every story that happens to us every day that somebody else doesn't see your experience. Uh, yes, exactly. But if you
0: say, I went to the store, and somebody says, no, you didn't go to the store, you were right. lying on the couch, it's like, well, there is a store, I've been to it.
5: But you didn't
0: necessarily go there. Um, oh, I see what you're saying, of course. Yeah, like, well, like uh, I think, I remember Butter or somebody used to say, Any, all this information, all this evidence would hold up in a court of law, and I used to say, no, it wouldn't, because not everybody has had an abduction. So you'd have to have, you'd have, to have 12 abductees.
3: <laughs>
2: on the jury, <laughs>
3: I, I think it's significant that I think it's significant. This is it, it's a hurdle. See. I know
2: this is part of your thing, your stick.
3: Yeah, well, I, I think it's significant the way the story goes because, like, so when he first wakes up in this craft, he sees the two, I guess, not necessarily grays, but the two little short aliens, and mm-hmm. then um, after that, and the paranormal witness does a good. I'm job remembering they were just like normal
0: looking.
2: Yeah, people. after I that, saw they saw. were
3: after that they were normal looking oh, well, people yeah, in the, in suits of the uh, other room. Okay,
2: okay. Well, they were yeah. very
4: normal. Well, what's unique right. about Travis's story that's different from a lot of um, estimates of maybe 20 years ago, something happened, I don't know the exact date, those kind of stories, is that we had a specific date and an absence of the person. So
2: something right. took place. And six people who saw him disappear, well... So to say,
4: yeah, something took place. So there was some type of incident on a specific date, and that makes it a relatively unique case. And that's the, the only one case. we have that's like that.
6: And the only other thing I wanted to comment about, uh, I was really impressed was well, he Travis says hate me he's he, I, the fact that he said he is not he is not pursued and has no intention to pursue hypnosis. One thing that just,
2: I just—you <laughs> know just what? Not.
6: Kudos to him for that.
2: <laughs> well, he did hypnosis early on with Leo Sprinkle. And was it harder 70. or Sprinkle? I, well, harder, and I think then
5: Sprinkle. Yeah, I think he was harder. Think so. I think oh, harder okay, I like like, exactly. okay, yeah, was the first.
2: He, he did say that
6: he he, he did say that uh, one of the hypnotherapists had told him that that they felt that if he pushed, it could be harmful. And he gave actually a very elaborate explanation about the whole heart attack from the uh, the, the zap. And yeah. Reliving that could
2: put him close to that, which I've heard very well, common one, about. One thing um, that impressed me, um, our friend Ben Hansen, who's done some television work, mm-hmm. uh, retired early as a FBI profiler in truth, he ran the statistics on the polygraph.
5: Yeah.
2: Uh, it's one thing for somebody who is being charged with a criminal offense, to do a polygraph and come through it. I was not uh, suggesting Travis was lying. No, no, no. What I'm saying um, (laughs) is that what he points out, as uh, as somebody who has worked with the FBI and been in the FBI, is that by FBI standards, for six criminals to so well coordinate their stories um, and take multiple polygraph tests where there's no failing on the part of anybody uh, and Travis, I think, took three or something. Well, there was and one the that was inconclusive. Absolutely mind-bending as far as beating the system. It's one thing for one person to do it, or two people to work out. I wasn't talking about his
0: friends and the crew and Mike Rogers and all that. I, I, I believe they saw what they believed they saw. Yeah. And if I was sitting there with him, I'm pretty you sure would've I would have seen the same damn thing saw. too.
6: No, I would have seen the same thing. You would have. What, what is the name of the documentary? Way. Oh, it's called Travis,
2: The True Story of Travis Walton. And I assume it's available through a website. You can order it online. <clears throat> um, um, Travis sells copies. Uh, mm-hmm. As an associate mm-hmm. producer, I sell copies uh, for a couple of bucks of you know, what I get them for. Um, for me, it's a great documentary for skeptics. Because, for example, um, the location of the exact spot is semi-protected the one thing they don't want is for folks going out there and chopping up pieces of trees and collecting yeah. souvenirs. Yeah. In part, because something really extraordinary happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a national travel,
2: several tree stumps. is it a national still. forest? Just it's a, it's it's a national forest. Yeah, yeah. Right. But to find Not that spot within sleep. half a million acres, yeah. you do have to know where you're going. And yeah. it's quite a walk in from the road. Uh-huh. There are several tree trunks right there within a 50 or 60 foot proximity of where it happened and something happened starting the next year. Up until then, the tree rings are bing, 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 bing. bing. Yeah. And the next year, bong, bong, bong. Bigger. Bomb, much bigger, and in two cases, it literally pseudopods out in the direction of where it happened. Uh-huh. And it's extraordinary. Plus, the forest growth in that area, it experienced a bell curve. Most of us think of organic materials blasted with radiation, it's going to die. One of the surprises of Chernobyl was mm. tree growth went wild yeah. within the area.
5: Yeah, yeah. Again,
2: the enlarged tree rings and much higher forest canopy. So it's just, again, one piece of triangulation of physical evidence, but a good one. Yeah. One thing I'll add to all that is that you know a lot
1: of classic cases with classic people involved, a lot of us, even in ufology, don't often get to meet face-to-face and hang out with some of the people who've had these classic Absolutely. experiences. But over about the last two and a half years, just purely down to coincidence, I've done a lot of conferences with Travis and last year alone, I think we did five together, one of them wow. in England um, at yeah. Um and getting to sort of just have sit opposite Travis and listen to him just talk about just general stuff playing guitar and things like that and hanging out with the guy when we're jamming the guitar uh, and just just you know just having a good time when when you speak to somebody not necessarily just about the experience but that's part of it but it's done in a totally social fashion not lecturing on stage then you really do get to the core of like a person's character and i think ironically you can learn more from the person whether they're being truthful or not by those little kind of one-to-one situations than you can actually listen in to lecture on stage and so yeah. for me it's not so much just the experience that Travis had that makes me think he's legitimate and real it's just the way he tells the story yeah. and how he comes across mm-hmm. on a one-to-one when he's telling it just a normal guy related to right. something now, abnormal now, now I feel
0: like somebody's thinking that I said that Travis did, is lying or no. doesn't believe nothing Craig, the if they <laughs> listen to your show they do know you know not that uh, during the partial or the annular eclipse in Albuquerque a few years ago Travis Jillian at the time his girlfriend I and, and um, um, uh, Leslie Gunter we all got in the Jeep, and we drove out to the site. Awesome. And I hung out with him for an entire day. I found out we liked the same weird-ass 1970s country music. He said, oh, you like so-and-so? I was like, yeah, I do. Excellent. And I played more music for him. And then we went back to Albuquerque, and we ate at the Frontier Cafe because it was the only place that was open. And I asked him, and I talked to him about it, and I, you know, and I feel the same way Nick does. But I, I was pointing out the problem is, you know, in, as in abs- a lot of I these things, it. he was the only one
3: there when all the, when all the the, the
0: core ship was going on. So often on. the case yeah. with people, it's the who nature have
2: extraordinary of experiences.
3: Yeah, I'll say this about it is that I believe the guys on the crew, I believe Travis, what he's saying happened. Yeah. And right there is where I stop because I don't make any conclusions about what it could be. I just do find it significant that most of his encounters on that ship were humans. I find and, that interesting,
6: and that was what I really loathed about the the, the, the biggest the change. Flow. Besides just making it into a horror movie, was that, that oh, yeah. they totally excised that aspect. Because that's I wrote a me, nasty review
0: of it in Excluded Middle when it came out.
6: some of the most important aspects of the abduction phenomena are all the 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 high strangeness aspects, yeah. like you know bo- both Streber and Carla Turner and all these other uh, right. abduction researchers have pointed out the the, more, the less mainstream. I mean, I know people think of Strieber as mainstream, but mm. the, but um, like the, not. The, the the inclusion of, of, of reports of the dead
5: that yeah. is so mm-hmm. significant, mm-hmm. and
6: yeah. and um, or or people who are living but who you know can't be their presidents, you know. I mean, and it, <laughs> that uh, there again is where yeah. I a lot of I the, pointed out the, in my talk
0: that a lot of these things don't sound they make, they don't make logical sense, but you you know what kind of sense they do make is in a dream logic sense. Because the brain understands dream logic. It's not going to understand something that makes no sense even to the human mind.
6: So the human mind's like, okay, this is what makes sense. It's crazy, but it makes sense. I think it was Yvonne at at the panel when somebody asked about MyLab's military abduction aspect, um, which is where I was going with this, you know... uh, you know, she made the point that a lot of times you got to be careful because if somebody might initially report, "Oh, there was this guy in a military uniform," and then the next moment he was something else. And that's that. But that again, this gets to the the fluidity and the variability of the reports of the entity types. Whether it's in classic CE three cases where it's outside the craft, or whether it's abduction cases, that that, or or bedroom visitation uh, experiences, that variability is right there. Is what makes me go not extraterrestrial. It's more what the fuck. It and it it what's it and 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 could be extraterrestrial because if and I. I tend to think, you know, and, and this could goes be in, go, you know, goes, Well, But it goes also to what Carla Turner used to say about her when she sat down and tried to come up with what, throw everything out and think about it again and the idea of what is there's something that's been here all along that uh, evolved to the point of non-corporeality but still requires some kind of interaction with us, whether it's the energy or yeah. or, or yeah. worse. And, yeah. and if it's non-corporeal, then it, you know, it makes perfect sense that it would uh, mess with our perception. We yeah. wouldn't know how to... Perceive it, and we're going to throw up onto it whatever. And yeah. you know, it can enculturate it. Uh, a belief systems. Remember exist. that slide in my
0: talk with like God with the universe. I said, you know, God didn't know what the, what not being God was like till something was created that was not God. So that that dichotomy is what creates the identity of both sides of the, of the equation. I thought that was an
3: interesting part of your presentation, given the
6: overarching theme of the rest of the conference. Yeah, I like the animated DMT gif. <laughs>
5: yeah,
0: yeah. I found out I could I, I could run animated gifs on on uh, PowerPoint. So I, I was talking about the the those uh, self transforming machine elf things from um, Rick Strauss. I mean, I'm sorry, from uh, Terrence McKenna. And I found a, a gif of like this elf thing kind of doing like this 3D oh. thing.
3: <laughs> I started getting hypnotized <laughs> after a while. Though. I know.
0: I've I've realized that I had a long piece in there during that. So everybody would be going. <laughs>
6: You were exercising mind control. <laughs> yes, exactly. One of those flashy things like Will Smith calls him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I thought it was
0: interesting that the Roswell Daily Record, and were you the one who was saying there was probably a marketing thing or no, was that somebody else? Well, the Roswell Daily Record, no, Guy did. He told me this. The first headline on Friday morning uh, after the first, well, actually, the only thing that was going on Thursday was the one we were at. The right. first headline was... Actually, I have it here somewhere.
5: Mm.
0: Here it is. The first headline on the Roswell Daily Record on, um, on June 30th, Friday. Above the fold, right underneath, separating the extra from the terrestrial, presentations by alien skeptics help open 2017 UFO Festival. I didn't know you were an alien skeptic. I, don't, I didn't know I was either. But anyway... <laughs> well, the language is so funny. I guess I am. Anyway, but I thought this was interesting that this was the headline. Good for them. In the Roswell Daily oh, Record, look at that and of course,
6: picture of Nick.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Nick made the front cover. <laughs> with
6: front the front wrong page. information. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Is it? Did they say it was the it was um, mobile balloons? Mobile instead of mogul
6: balloons. <laughs> 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 They're from <laughs> Alabama, right across the street <laughs> from the
0: <laughs> paper. I
6: Most
1: said, he are mobile with, What yeah. they did, they yeah. kind yeah. of it's good that someone was listening. They kind of, What hysterical. they did, they kind of mixed up. Sorry. The lecture that I did on the alternative side of ufology and applied my theories on that aspect to Roswell.
2: I love it. And here's another great uh, article about Malone argues German research behind 1947 event. And he looks like he's arguing. Yep. He looks pretty
0: stern in that. And then the next day they did all headlines on um, their speakers because they knew people would see that and come ah, to their event, and then today apparently it was the headline was for the museum.
2: Easy to
1: understand.
0: Well, yeah, that's good. well equal time. Good for yeah. them. Yeah, but I thought it was interesting that the first well it was yeah. The, it interesting, the first out of the gate was the skeptical. But the thing is, that was the only thing they had to latch well, on to that day. But I thought it was interesting that they put that yeah. on the front of the Roswell Daily Record. I mean, Isn't they it credited Red Redfern for was fame.
4: saying the Roswell crash was a hologram.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I talked about, I, during
4: the, what I did on my lecture
1: on the Wednesday, I talked about different theories for UFOs, sure. like time travel, I talked about the demonic thing, and talked the about the idea of Could some UFO events be like holograms? But what they did was to apply those theories to Roswell. When I was talking in general about the the nature of the UFO phenomenon.
6: Well, so many lay people uh, conflate Roswell with the UFO phenomenon. And and I've always maintained that, honestly, I've never thought that Roswell had anything to do with the true UFO phenomenon. Because it's unlike any other aspect of the phenomenon. It doesn't leave... That kind of debris behind. I mean, I know that there's the whole crash retrieval, uh, you know, milieu. But I mean, to me, like again, that what the, what what I think of when I think of the true UFO phenomena and and close encounters is just like not doesn't include that. But that
4: even just, given the other things that took place that summer, had the 509th not selected the term flying disc. I'm not sure it would have ever been involved in the discussion.
6: I forget was it some somebody one of the speakers reminded me that and I correct me if this is incorrect that but that is it halt that was the press officer
1: Holt Hout. Halt. So
6: yeah. halt was ordered by his superior to issue somebody Ledger. said that and I was yeah. like okay, you know, because it's often portrayed that 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 he took it upon himself to to issue this, this press release. No, I
2: believe the uh, CO uh, ordered that. And uh, for me, the, the gutsiest thing, whatever you think about it, is he didn't bother to clear it with the Pentagon. We got one that crashed, and of course, then it blew up within a few hours. The Pentagon flipped out, and uh, poor Jesse Marcel, for good or bad, had to pose by the uh, pieces of a bloom incredibly humiliating well, that picture went around the world. Well
4: one thing what I would, would say What
2: would source for that <laughs> story be? Which story? That you just told? Um, well it's in quite a number of the books about it. I think Blanchard was actually his widow was interviewed um, by Stanton Friedman on it and
4: but that doesn't qualify that the Pentagon was
2: oh and um, one blew up. Well, there's no question as far as the order was issued by the base commander to say we have a crashed saucer without clearing it with the Pentagon. In fact, today, this morning, I quoted from the New York Times the next day saying that the Pentagon rebuked uh, the commanding officer um, for making that, having that announcement made um, without clearing it with them first. Thank
4: you, but yeah, you'd agree cool. with me that doesn't qualify that one blew up, like you said. What I'm, I think we're talking about two different things. I'm
0: talking about... He's talking about an attitude of blowing up, like... like a, a well,
4: you just said one blew up, and the Pentagon wasn't informed. I, I oh, think that, the Pentagon was angry at the base commander. But we haven't qualified like a saucer or an alien craft blow well, up. You'd agree with that. Oh yeah. They there's know, a, there's, an, impo- there's an
1: important note to note on all this and that is bear in mind this was on, only like sort of nine days after the Kenneth Arnold That's sighting true. thereabouts and the term flying saucer nine days after the very first sighting did not have the same imagery in people's right. minds that mm-hmm. Flying Saucer does today you know we've got 70 years history of abductions, contact cases crop circles, area 51 dead aliens mm-hmm. under Wright-Patterson we've got the whole history and lore mm-hmm. L-O-R-E of ufology back then, only barely a week or more after Roswell occurred nobody, there was no, no history to work with so when no. they said they'd recovered a Flying Disc or a Flying Saucer it wasn't viewed in '47 the way that we view the term yeah, flying like saucer today. Yeah, one of today. those
4: things Arnold might have seen. Yeah, right? yeah, one
1: of those things that was seen in the sky because there yeah. was. was a week before. Now, yeah. I mean, it's like imagine today we're doing this show Sunday night. Imagine if the first ever report of a flying saucer was last Sunday night. That's how it was.
4: Yeah, there was there was no history or anything. A widespread report, anyway. Just uh, a phenomenon I agree you know, with I mean, Miles and. Yeah. Peter's line of thinking—that yeah. the, um, the the how it got reported mm-hmm. and and exactly what took place in that chain of events—is indeed interesting and worthy of a great deal of research.
3: Here's something fascinating. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Adam found this in the museum yeah, yesterday. Uh, uh, today, actually, today? Um, wow. and I took a picture of it. It's one of the um, copies of the paper. Uh, the front pages of the paper that are in that little section at the top is kind of like the loose timeline of the Roswell incident. And this, I think, was a, this was not the one that announced the flying saucer with that. With, uh, was it you know, not Blanchard, but Halt? I guess his um, the flying disc. This was the I guess I think this is the one where Raimi said it was a um, weather balloon. Mobile. Okay. Um, Mobile. This is a little <laughs> section of the paper, and it's it's it says. Ro- it's like Roswellians are asked about what the flying disc is. And yeah, you this, too. This is, um, okay, HM Door, HM Down. I have come to the conclusion that there are some discs flying around, and I think it is an experiment of some tactical branch of our armed forces. Rola Hinkle, I think the United States government is trying out something new. These disks may be radio-controlled instruments of some kind, in fact. I would make a guess that it is some military division of the government trying out radio-controlled objects flying through the air, possibly at supersonic speeds. Now, now, these are people's opinions, obviously. A week and, but, later. Yeah, well, maybe a few days a few later, later, yeah. It was and, at and, the edges of their understanding
2: of the technology. Yeah, well, right, that, was, yeah, that was the it, understanding yeah, of the and, and, and But Radio there,
3: may, would, there may be would. some inf- informed that they may have been seeing things flying around at that time and thought nothing, at least two people thought, well, maybe that's just our... Army yeah, they, they weren't out there testing a lot of them, Just a week
1: about. after Arnold's case, they weren't viewing it a flying saucer, meaning an alien spaceship. Yeah, that so that's made, a they were saying it. it was something strange in the sky. That's a snapshot of yeah. it right there.
3: Yeah, I think that's the a cultural situation
4: at the time. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure that's one of the things you quoted this morning in your
0: lecture. Can you read that, Peter? It's a nice. It's a nice message to you. So glad that Peter's a guest. He's been around the block is smart open minded and has oh, good art thank you. there you go, Peter. the so, same guy just got mad at me for being a contrarian uh, <laughs> he's a fan of the show it's all
6: right, oh, all right. so there's, there's there's so many things thank that, you John I, I, you know I've actually gotten a little more interested in Roswell again because of this weekend and and <laughs> there, you know just very specific things like you know, wait, wait a minute, the guy was ordered to say it was a disc. that seems kind of odd um, and then also, just the the the, uh, the juxtaposition of I've heard some speakers sit, discri- talk about, and I always was given this impression that uh, that uh, uh, Marcel senior was very pained about all of this over time. But I heard his son say, "No, that wasn't the case at all." And then I heard like Alejandro or somebody talking about like. No, he was, he was a patriot, and he felt he was just doing his job. Um, and, and, I mean, I, obviously these things aren't mutually exclusive. You can have a range of emotions. Peter, but you, you, but you know New, new Junior? Is, is, he, is he being accurate what
0: he's
2: saying? Um, when we talked about his dad, um, he basically talked about him with a great deal of affection and respect. He discussed a number of times with me, and, of course, many other people, his memory of his dad waking him up at night and telling, come down to the kitchen and this cardboard box full of parts that they were going over um, I, I thought Jesse was a man of great character uh, who followed in his father's footsteps to uh, military service that as a field physician he finished his um, military service in Iraq on the ground in combat well, he was 70 years old plus 70 years old huh. um Wow. I never pressed him on his, his dad's emotional state, but he did allude to the fact that he was very frustrated at times, and rightly so. Um, Jesse the Third has, you know, some wonderful memories of his grandfather, but his grandfather essentially said to him in so many words, There are things that we you can't even imagine and the world is, you know, more than we imagine, so to say. He was quite young at the time but um, I thought in the film Roswell, which I I think is one of the most interesting films dealing with any UFO situation, Paul Davids, as writer and um, producer, didn't focus in on the weird stuff on special effects. He focused in on Jesse Marcel as a human being who had been not just humiliated... um, in the air, core, uh, and not just humiliated in having that picture of him all over the world,
1: all over the world,
2: but years later, at a reunion, being rebuffed, being treated like shit, this ridicule factor is vicious. Uh, how dare you embarrass the core by saying that back then? How could you do that to us? That's a terrible way to treat a person. But, uh, it's human nature, and again, this paper that I gave this morning on the birth of what I feel is the UFO ridicule factor, I had thought for years, um, without researching it, that you know, it crept on a, up on us with a lot of goofy coverage running into the 50s. It, the fix was in by the end of July. The Americans have been clubbed every day with coverage that was condescending, snarky, sarcastic. Authorities keep being quoted without naming any of them. A distinguished astronomer, a uh, mathematician, a psychologist, uh, and the theories ran to the pressure in your eyes, you know, just all this nonsense, but by the end of July it was, haha, flying saucers and little green men, and if you think otherwise I'm making fun of you because you're a schmuck. Do you
3: think that if you know, hypothetically, what, what what Nick has been talking about, sure. what we were talking about at that conference all this whole time—that if this was a and a top secret aircraft
2: yeah. that crashed here in the desert—I remember when um, they first presented the idea, like almost ten years, yeah. nine years ago, eight years ago. Took a lot of guts to do it, and he made a great argument. But you know, again, preaching to the converted. Uh, to the well, to the choir, um, it was not popular. But I insisted that he be a speaker, and yeah. you know, I mean, this is all about inquiry and all about keeping an open mind, or else we're all fucked on this. Well, my my question is, is
3: that so? If that if that is the case, and this ridicule factor exists, which we know it does, um, and we can make a ca- you you can make a case that the Air Force the gov- or the government as a whole, the military as a whole, used UFOs as a cover for whatever s- secret aircraft they were flying around as the Cold War progressed and technology got better and better, that you could use that so when someone re- reported that they saw this craft, no one would look into it because they would say, well, these people are crazy, they're just seeing little green men. Do you think that that, w- it, that it
2: would work that way? even if it's not aliens? Well, number one, I think 1st um, July of 47 was a very important year in uh, Cold War history for it was a number the number of, of it. One of the ones is that that month in Foreign Affairs magazine, an article was carried that had tremendous impact on the next 45 years of American foreign policy. It was written by a... Uh, 30-something political society, a scientist who published it under the name of X, and it was called On Containment. And in it, July 1947, he discussed an idea for American foreign policy where the Soviets would be contained within the area that they expanded into by the end of World War II, creating kind of an iron curtain. And that if we could hold them there, a war of attrition would not be a hot or shooting war, but would be a stalemate Cold War. Mm -hmm. And George Kennan went on to advise, I think, a record-breaking nine or ten presidents. He lived to be about 101 years old. Mm -hmm. My point only being that I don't think there's any weirdness here. It's just a coincidence of history that the modern age of UFO sightings and the Cold War, per se, were born in the same month. With that understood, I think for decades, the Soviets and the Americans played what I would call a truly legitimate anomalous UFO sighting, uh, perhaps interpreting it in public as uh, a potential incursion into their territory by the other party. In fact, um, one of my mentors, uh, uh, a former staff officer of Hungarian um, Royal Army during the war, who was in his 70s when I knew him and in charge of all photo reconnaissance for the Hungarian army during the war, wrote a paper at the request of uh, then-Secretary-General Kurt Waldheim. Before we knew he was uh, in the SS. And stuff. <laughs> one, of, one of those Nazis that but, uh, yeah, was well, defending <laughs> their country. <laughs> no. a Nazi. But The <laughs> paper was very interesting and it postulated that sooner or later, a, uh, a genuine UFO incursion into the US or the U- the Soviet Union at just the wrong time might be perceived as an enemy missile strike and there might be a launch. I thought it was a brilliant paper, very important, and it still plays uh, right now with things getting a little more touchy between us and the Russians. Who the hell knows? Um, I don't even know if that answered your question, but those forces, I think yeah. they, both the Soviets and the Americans sure. were brilliant in using you know, secret. Oh, what I was going to say was this if we had this kind of technology in 47 and secret testing and things, what happened to any of it? Where was it manifested in the 40s, 50s, or 60s? No, nothing tangible ever came of it. It was always, it didn't exist or it was kept super secret. And if we had stuff that could do that, I mean, Kenneth Arnold estimated, like a good pilot, uh, the speed that the nine or twelve craft were going, or whatever they were, between Mount Rainier and another mountain, that they were traveling twelve, fourteen, eighteen hundred miles an hour, which is pretty fast to 1947. Um, Again, my thought would be if we had that technology, or the Russians had it, even in test form back then, wouldn't it have manifested itself in some form uh, into the arsenals of either country or something, rather than Nothing ever happened. We never had anything like that. It didn't amount to anything if it was that. And if we had tested it and it worked, why did we put it away? Uh, just yeah. asking.
6: Who knows? Nineteen forty-seven also the birth of the national security state with the mm-hmm. signing of the National Security Act. Kurt Waldheim also associated with UFOs, more UFOs and Nazis, with uh, his appearance at the United Nations with Valet and others and Hynek, I, think. I was there
2: yeah what I was there 1978 November I was in the gallery <laughs> I was an editor on that paper I just referred to and I didn't get paid my pay was I was in the gallery uh-huh. and I watched it happen and it was intense what ha- there was a huge snowstorm right before it Gordon Cooper couldn't get to New York his statement was read into the record <laughs> but there was Valley and Heineck and um, Stan Friedman and they were passionate, and there was a much lower turnout of delegates than they expected. My thought, as just an observer was, and a New Yorker, was these guys love their cushy jobs in New York, and their expense accounts, and their nice apartments. The thought of what it was about was a special resolution within the political committee of the Security Council to establish a permanent UFO study committee, nothing more. Um, and for these guys to imagine going back to their representatives, government leaders and saying, I think we should seriously study flying saucers. <laughs> Please don't make me do this. It was also about six weeks after the so-called Frederick Valentich disappearance, this private New pilot. Zealand, yeah. Yeah, New Zealand. And at one point it was either Hynek or Valet. They spun around, and I think it was the Australian ambassador. I don't know if the New Zealand was there. And, Mr. Ambassador, one of your citizens may just have been kidnapped or killed. Your law's broken. Uh, no debris was found. How can you stand about And I looked at that guy's face, and it was murderous. How <laughs> dare you put this attention on me? Uh, one of my favorite memories of the whole day was my parents, who were interested through me in this subject. My dad has his own business. My mom worked for Nikon. They both played hooky, came to the U.N. in the afternoon, sat in a gallery with me, and I've got a photo, a press photo from the U.N., a photographer that day, of me and my parents standing in the rotunda of the secretariat, my mom puffing away in her palm Mall cigarette. <laughs> ah, good times. But it was a, a truly historic event, and I was privileged to be there, and I still am amazed that I got invited. It was real history happening in front of me. What year was this? November 1978. I was an expert. I was ready a year, three years into the subject. Ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> I've
6: got the the CD that I, I think Kufo's put out. of Of it's got audio of, of Waldheim <laughs> talking about. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and, the uh, um, that
0: uh, that record album that came out. Yeah.
3: I posted it on on, on uh, writing Mysterioso once. 1947 was also the year Alister Crowley died.
2: That's right. Throw yeah, also, the Air Force was established. Mm-hmm. National Security Council. Um, i the yeah, CIA. Right. Was yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly.
4: Very pregnant. And the hair. Dead Sea
1: Scrolls were found in 46. Yep, yep, yep. For 46. the
4: sake of discussion, please reason, may may I <laughs> play devil's advocate, please? That's why you're here. Thank you, sir. I appreciate. That. <laughs> um, sort like of why I'm here, but I, yeah. Revisit the the Kenneth Arnold for a moment. Yeah. Um, because someone <laughs> says and that they saw something go on eighteen hundred miles per hour, and they may very well believe it. And there's a lot of other possibilities. Yes, but maybe they believe
0: it uh, because he he believed it because apparently, one he was a pilot. Two, he looked at the objects and tracked them, and looked on a map later to see how long it took them to get
4: from one thing to the other. That's how he came up with the, the speed. Okay. And because he said it, you'd agree, doesn't mean it's an accurate statement necessarily. Like in other well, we words, we don't have five
0: witnesses all giving us the same story and the same. Well, measurements apparently the same.
4: you wouldn't like me to state something for the sake of discussion. Go ahead. Thank mm. you. <laughs> I think that it's a a reasonable point of view is that when a statement is made, given what we know about witness testimony and its unreliability, that we might want to consider that it's, it's maybe not the best way to approach it from trying to then consider, well, then what else could it have been Um, Or how could it not be correct when it's a witness statement rather than it still needs to be established it happened? You see what I'm saying? Hmm. Like it wouldn't be my burden to show you what else it was or that he was wrong when somebody just says they saw something fly in 1800.
0: Exactly. I think more that what... what what is important about it is the effect it had, whether it was actually reported
4: or That's a reasonable not. point.
0: Yeah. I, I think what, you know, I would be willing to believe he saw what he said he saw. I don't know what he saw, but I'm, I believe that he reported as accurately as he could.
6: It was pelicans. Yeah. I'm a pelicanist. Yeah. No,
0: that, that, that's what I think <laughs> of it. But I think far more than the stupid <laughs> sighting was that <laughs> everything,
2: <laughs> everything that's come bad. after it. Well, you know, <laughs> reason, and, it, and it's for better or worse. The reason it broke when it did on the 24th was apparently a day or two earlier, <clears throat> a private plane had gone down in the Cascade Mountain Range. Oh, Civil right. Air Patrols were out looking for it. Arnold, who was on a routine business trip, landed at whatever airport he did, and there were reporters there. And he landed at
0: one airport and told the pilots there. The pilots said something and called ahead. This is Bruce McAvee said this, oh. called ahead to another airport. The reporters had heard this from ah. the last airport as he made his Got next it. journey to the next airport. They were waiting for him there.
2: Got it. Okay.
0: And because the reason that they were waiting for him there is because a bunch of a couple of pilots said, what are you, nuts? You know, you didn't see anything. But a couple of them were friends of his. They knew him. They thought he was reliable. They said, well, if he said it, you know, I guess, you know, Ken's a nice guy. He's pretty accurate. So, you know, apparently they called ahead to the next airport and it got out that way very good detail yeah and he was he was actually um he had taken a detour because he was looking for the wreckage of an yeah. air force yeah uh, an air force, uh, the wreckage of an air force uh plane that had gone down i guess about a month or two before and there was a bounty for it a reward to find it so he'd taken a detour to look for that plane got it
6: what was the Maccabee book that you mentioned in your talk that, that just uh, came out
2: yeah, he Bruce has several books now, but that's focused on the um, I don't think I mentioned his book just uh, that he's man optical physicist. Yeah, so that's it. it.
6: Yeah. That okay, I'm well, maybe may thinking of another speaker, yeah, like three minutes the, in July or something. I've seen so like, many yeah. lectures this weekend, I'm gonna make a trip. <laughs> it's, to it's, all, yeah. it's all blurring together,
5: right? <laughs> that uh, but <laughs>
6: apparently. In that, that he he uh, addresses like, oh, some, like a dozen career. different hypotheses to explain away <laughs> and does his best to knock them all down. Of course, we know he's <laughs> he's pro you know UFO, but um. Um,
4: and he may very well be right i mean i completely concede that greg and peter whatever they think about the kenneth arnold circumstances may very well be correct but we just have a witness testimony and sometimes you know the best my pretty much my default setting is Sometimes the best we can do is just suspend judgment. And I think that's the great way to approach everything.
0: I, no matter what I think about <laughs> Kenneth Arnold, I wasn't there, and that's how much judgment I have to suspend. With anything. I was talking to the car with Peter. I said, I suspend judgment on anything. I hope I can suspend judgment if something happens to me and I see something unequivocal. Yeah. You know, do I Will I suddenly have a religious conversion and be the kind of person that now, I, I can't stand? That's like, no, you've got
5: to believe right. me. Now, I almost now, don't
4: want to see that happen. Now We're, <laughs> get, we're getting to good stuff here. As you were saying, but I really don't care. So you said something to the effect of it really doesn't matter what he saw the effect was, and I agreed with that. Something right. like that. But see, now I could take another dynamic that it goes and that's that In a way, it doesn't really matter what he saw in the other direction, too, that if we're willing to take a statement about seeing something flying 1,800 miles per hour, and then there's a certain group of people that are willing to accept that as good enough that I believe there's an alien presence among us. And so that's kind of detrimental or... I, I wouldn't encourage that as a rational line. Oh, I, don't and think I it's understand rational at that all. wasn't what you're saying. Yeah. You're just like saying, if I understand you right, give yeah. the man his due. Right. And, and I'm saying that it's also dangerous to like, have these false premises of if this, then that, to where some pilot saw something and then we put that in a body of evidence to make a case. That Roswell means something else, or no, Phoenix I, I, Lights do, and on and I, on. I, I do not. I, I'm,
0: I'm pretty sure that I try not to do that personally myself. I'd agree with that. Yeah, but I mean, you
4: understand. I it's, do understand. It's done. Yeah.
0: You 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 yeah. You can't put that back in the box. That's just the way. And people want to believe these things, and there's no way you're going to dissuade mm-hmm. them about it. Um, you know, the concatenation of all the evidence that I've looked at myself personally. It convinces me that there's something going on that's not human, that communicates with us occasionally. That's my personal opinion. Open to, um, you know, uh, to change or to throw out into the trash if, if something else comes along to change that opinion. But that's my present opinion. And that's as loose as I can make it, uh, mm-hmm. as specific as I can make it you know and i and i really don't it's not a religious belief or anything like that it's just kind of like that that is what i think based on the evidence right now and also you know i've got a little bit of a romantic in me and i think it would be nice if that was going to mm-hmm. that really happen mm-hmm. so I, i'm i'm predisposed a bit to it but i don't i don't like it that i would believe it totally because i i hate the, i hate when people do that because then you can't talk to them anymore and their minds are closed it's
2: too. it's it, it functionally makes identical sense? to religion it does thank you well, you say, Peter, just um, that drief, belief-driven notion based on your faith that your premise is correct is functionally identical <laughs> to a religion. Um, I believe UFOs are real, and other people do too, and we share that belief, and there are so many of us that, therefore, they must be real. Yeah. Um, it's, it, we might as well just, you know, be a Catholic or whatever and, <laughs> you know, go to church and pray about them or mm-hmm. any religion. Like we were talking about, I've had two sightings of things that were really quite profound. One as a kid, and one in England in February of '88. And they did not behave or appear to be anything I had ever seen aerodynamically in terms of maneuver, shape, color. Yeah. Um, so what people conclu- said, do you believe in yeah. UFOs? Yeah. I say, well, belief doesn't really enter into it. I've seen them. Yeah. Um, and they were unidentified mm-hmm. flying objects. I don't know what they were. Yes. What. Yeah. It
0: was. what- Do you draw any conclusions from your personal sightings of things that are not explainable to you or probably anybody you've talked to?
2: There's shit going on I don't understand.
5: (laughs) 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 Pretty
6: much.
3: Um,
2: (laughs) That's the basic human condition.
6: (laughs) One one, one last thing about the Roswell that came up uh, for me this weekend, um, and it's something I'd thought about before but I'd forgotten about for a long time, Alejandro played a clip from an old in Search of episode that was featured an uh, interview with um, Marcel. And but this doesn't have to do with any of that. It has <laughs> to do with r- reports that I know I'd heard about, but I haven't heard about in years of a UFO sighting over Roswell the day before. And they interview somebody who I think his name was Willis or Willoughby. Hmm. I've used Willis a couple of times tonight, so it's probably not that. <laughs> um, but it was like somebody. I was on my porch and I, you know, saw a, a light come across and then hover and then and zip off the day before, allegedly. The before uh, Brasswell. Yeah, there's,
0: there's a new title: The Day Before Roswell. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I'm I, I, like, I like something that you said. Um, Greg, on one of the episodes um, was that you had asked a question of whether there was like some weirdness going on in Roswell, what was going on in Roswell before nineteen forty seven Was there anything weird happening? Well, yeah. was there like a, was there was there a drunkard that was in jail that night? <laughs> was there a, is, was, it was was there a context to the over well
1: to all this? One of the things yeah, that, that was lovely. a question I didn't have any answer. Don't for forget it. Robert Goddard, the rocket pioneer, right. had his yeah. base of operations in Roswell. We went down
3: and saw the statue the yeah, other day.
1: That doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean anything. And there is also the fact that, by Roswell's own admission, two previous military devices had come down on the
6: ranch, both weather
1: devices.
6: I, st- I still think again, it's like. Okay, we, we the 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 people who uh, would know what uh, weather balloons look like, or the people who said this wasn't a weather balloon, and, including Brazel. You know, like again, he, he had already turned in two others before, and, and this was something different. That those two facts are really to me significant. But um, but so I, I was just wondering if there were any other sightings. Um, well, the
1: one thing that is interesting, Greg could probably tell the story better than me, because I don't oh, know yeah. parts of it. About Wilhelm Reich and Roswell,
0: you can't okay, even better. Well, um, oh right, contact as, with space. Yeah, as I remember it, um, Ken. I've met, had a big discussion with Ken may about this. Have
2: passed through Roswell? I don't no, he did.
0: He, okay, he, he did. put it in his diary, okay, and he said, he did. "I noticed a lot of uh, of D O R around right. because right. it's a desert." Yeah. Ken said when I talked to Ken, he says, "Well, Wilhelm Reich saw uh, UFOs in Roswell." After you know a few years after the Roswell incident, it's like no. He said he saw, he said he saw DOR heavy on the whatever you know whatever he called yeah. it, heavy on the desert at the time. That does not equate to UFOs well, and aliens not at all. No, not at all. One is just kind of Ken's uh, probably
2: listening, going. <laughs> <laughs>
5: no,
2: he never said he saw UFOs in Roswell. The interesting thing, though, is that when they were doing uh, the weather weather modification work in Tucson. just outside of Tucson, yeah. Um, there is no question that James McDonald was very interested in it. Right. Showed up at the site. Right. People love to say, well, they met. We don't know if they met. Yeah. Uh, they may have. But he came to observe. And, uh, and that's funny. Because he was an atmospheric physicist. Of course he was. So that was even and more the interesting. And was changing. Yeah. It was reported in the, the paper. Local farmers were very interested. Yeah. And toward the end of it, um, even a local banker stepped forward to say, I will assist in this if you can continue. I didn't know that part. And that at that was the moment where um, one of his physicians in Maine had broken the injunction of interstate shipment of panels for an accumulator. Right. And Wright decided to take personal responsibility for it and flew back. So the experiments, although they broke every weather record in terms of rainfall, yeah. it actually... Or
0: coincidentally, he had just arrived right before it started raining a lot. <laughs> yes and it's no no that's what I tell people it's like well nothing else. it's like well, the, the weather had, pattern had to change for years it changed then and then it changed for years after that maybe that, something was going that's on that's a cool
2: coincidence yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, he went back and maybe the worst decision of his yeah. professional life was to actually feel he could present the science as such, the judge would have none of it. He lost the case, and the rest is in the street. Yeah. But he never went back to uh, Tucson, obviously. Right. Uh, uh, I think it would be nice to uh,
0: mention what people talked about here. Did, Jack, do you want to go first? You had two lectures, though.
4: I talked about a couple things. The first was um, UFO, uh UFOs and the uh, intersections of the UFO community and the intelligence community and exploitation in ufology. And the other thing I discussed was from MKUltra to Gitmo and correlations between involuntary human experimentation projects, hypnosis, and the UFO community. Both were great. Thank yeah. you, sir. That's very generous.
0: But I'm biased. I
6: loved all of the speakers. <laughs> you know why they were
0: great? Because it's something you would have never heard at any other, not just Roswell, but any other um, UFO conference. So I, I'm glad that kind of stuff is opening up. That's kind of you. Thank yeah, you. And I think that the audience there were primed to question that kind of stuff. You know what I noticed in, in uh, down there, and I don't know if you, you guys would agree with me, I think it was a lot of locals. This is my idea that are tired of coming up here and listening to the same speeches every year. Oh, interesting.
2: Sure. Why not?
0: You know, makes I didn't. Sense. It's about half the people came up to me or more said, "Oh no, I'm local. I'm just down here saying one because it's way off the beaten path, <laughs> and two, like I said, there's like, okay, I don't want to go to see Stan Friedman again. I've seen him 28 times, <laughs> so I want like to go down and hear something different. Not no, nothing against Stan, really, yeah, but but it he's is always the
4: same lecture. Yeah. They're hungry Noisy for a good lamb seance. I'm <laughs> telling you. At the old hangar.
0: <laughs> Nick, what was your... Uh, you, you gave um, three different talks? Two. Two, yeah. Two.
1: Well, the the one lecture I did... Was, one twice. Two twice. Yeah. Two twice? Yeah, even I got confused. Two twice. Yeah. Damn. Yeah.
3: Back to back today. Back to yeah. back
1: today. But um, the first lecture I gave um, came from a guy... That perhaps a lot of people in ufology wouldn't know the name, but I know Cleetwood, Ray Beauché. Ray was a former state director of MUFON in Nebraska back in the 80s, but he's also a priest. Yes, yeah, minister. Yeah, he told me a fascinating story about how in 1991 he met with two physicists working for a DOD, Department of Defense project, to contact what they called non human entities, which the group concluded were demonic, literally. I mean literally demonic rather than extraterrestrial sure. and I did an extensive interview with Ray about this in 2007 and so I, the, the first lecture I gave was on the, the nature of this interview what Ray learned, how this group came together how and why they concluded UFOs were demonic but as I pointed out in the lecture this is their belief system it's not, you know, something we can prove as evidence. And I pointed out that in the lecture, the difference and the importance of noticing the difference between what is a belief system, what is a theory, and what is a fact. And the other one was the alternative look at Roswell, following on from my Body Snatchers book that I did in 2005, with a new one I've got out, Now the Roswell UFO Conspiracy, which looks again at the the human potential... Um, experimentation angle of high-altitude flights um, essentially um, human test subjects uh, guinea pigs, um, Operation Paperclip connections with these um, new and novel gigantic balloons that the Japanese were planning on building had the war war not come to an end so it kind of looks into the immediate post-war angle of human experimentation Possibly hidden deliberately or not behind a uh, UFO smoke screen. But again, I pointed out in that lecture too, you know, we can only work with the data we've got. And at the end of the day, even the Air Force couldn't provide evidence that a Mogul balloon came down. <laughs> you know, so no theory has evidence or facts, evidence or proof. And as I pointed out at the end of the lecture, that it's almost like a Jack the Ripper situation, an old mystery that's getting harder and harder to solve yeah. as time goes by, and he becomes a part of Americana as, yeah. as much as he does a part of American right. history. Roswell's ufology, ufology is JFK. <laughs>
3: <laughs> to point to wow. point out that Nick did back into on to on. the left... Dick did all this wearing a, a Motorhead.
1: Um, yes, I did
0: the uh, one that's on right.
5: Yeah, yeah, Ace <laughs> <laughs> <It's> of <good night. laughs>
0: Peter, you talked. You spoke more than once too. Right? I gave two. Remember talks. Remember when you used to come? You used to go to, to lectures and, and conventions. You'd only have to give one talk. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, they're making everybody work harder for less money. Oh. <laughs> so
2: what I, were your? I life? gave two talks. <laughs> uh, appeared on one panel discussion and then moderated two other panel discussions. Uh, My first talk was on a history of UFOs and alien imagery in advertising going back 40 years. Mm. Um, My thought being that, you know, uh, one faction in ufology has always maintained that uh, there's some kind of overlord... Pulling the strings and getting us ready for the big day.
6: Disclosure
2: and that high up people in certain industries are connected and insiders and helping to move the effort along. Uh, And that certainly, um, advertising being the very uh, uh, impacting medium on our society and culture, might well be doing that by using aliens and UFOs in their ads. Then there's the other group. I guess I would count myself among them which is that aliens and UFOs in a print magazine or a newspaper, uh, whether it's cute or serious, make people stop for a moment. And it's like the old days in a record store. You're flipping through thousands of albums. If it's a great cover, you stop. Then there's a chance of a sale. Uh, And Madison Avenue knows that. So I did, it was actually partly a, a fun talk. Um, there were so many ads that I'd collected over the years and things that people have sent to me from all over America, ads from the UK, uh, ads from South, um, um, Europe um, that really ran the gamut from very childlike mom and pop ads by our ice cream to multinational corporations. And they broke down into areas uh, where the theme of the ad might be um, back engineering or um, Abduction, a tremendous number with abduction, going back to 1976. In fact, the first UFO ad I presented was from 1976. It appeared in a lot of American print journals, and it was, like many ads uh, companies that were using that theme, insurance companies. And it's a sort of cartoon drawing of two guys camping out in the wilderness, and one guy is looking like that. And the other guy is looking at him. And behind the guy who is not looking up, we see a giant UFO with a giant mechanical hand about to grab this motherfucker. (laughs) And the caption is, what's my insurance company? New England Life, of course. Why do you ask? (laughs) Uh, Ads about, um, why are they here? Uh, The most classic of those, and you guys might even remember, is 20 years ago or so. The um, Columbian Coffee Council, I think. It was a very good, fake, fuzzy UFO picture. It actually looked like quite an authentic one. It was somewhat elliptical. You've got some figure-ground um, uh, forest cover at the bottom, and it, the caption right was simply, we know yet. why they're here. You um, know, Colombian Coffee Council, whatever. Yeah. Um, Then it broke down into a series of ads where the term UFO meant something else. Um, Unusual, fabulous opportunities. (laughs) um, uh, Australian Trade Council selling exotic fruits, unusual fruit objects, um, frozen objects, etc. And I concluded that, well, it came down to... One television ad series in 1989, which was um, for Levi Strauss, and it was very radical ad for its time. It was sort of cinema verite, black and white, handheld, party with a lot of back talk, twenty somethings. Although it was only like from their necks to their knees, and moving around, and one voiceover is, "Do um, uh, you believe in UFOs?" and then. Another voice says, America has EBs. EBs, what are EBs? EBs Extra ter- are extraterrestrials, and America's got them. Oh, EBs, EBs, GBs. What the, the hell year was that? 1989. At that time, the CEO of Levi Strauss was a guy named Bob Haas, who was on the board of the Brookings Institution, uh-huh. which had been generating UFO related reports since 1960. I thought I was really onto something. I mean, that was pretty fascinating. EBS is, of course, a term associated with mm-hmm. Dr. Detlev Bronk, allegedly, who did the first um, uh, uh, MJ-12 member, who did the first alien autopsy. And um, there they were, using the term, even with a different aspect. Interesting, but I could press no further. And I had to, con- you know, as Friedman says, it's in my gray box. Very interesting connection between a major CEO of a huge international corporation to a think tank which generated classified reports on UFOs since 1960. But I'm certainly not gonna make a conclusion based on that. It just was an interesting way to end the talk and say, as far as I'm concerned, UFO and alien images sell stuff. And you know, if you wanna see a bigger picture in it, that's your business. The other talk was on what I call the origin of the UFO ridicule factor. How the hell did somebody say, saying, I saw something in the sky I couldn't identify, get wired up internationally with you're delusional, you're lying to me, you want to perpetrate a hoax, you want to feel special, you want to make money. Um, Wilhelm Reich had a great phrase, evasion of the obvious. Um, It's so so counterintuitive, it made no sense. Mm. And so I started to basically back-engineer it and ended up, began it in the late 80s in the New York Times newspaper morgue, downloading articles of microfiche. And um, I was amazed at how outrageously, viciously contemptuous, sarcastic. I mean, nothing was taken seriously. And then I started to check other major news sources, and it was the same thing. And they wouldn't let it go. Nobody was taking it seriously in the major media. Um Okay. Well, how did that happen? Did all these editors and publishers decide to do it that way? Or perhaps were they asked by somebody in the Truman administration, and it would have been asked within a few days after the Kenneth Arnold. I don't have, it was a talk based on the reportage, and then a certain amount of critical thinking, deductive reasoning, and suggesting that, yeah, some people from the Truman administration may have made that request either, Because, well, this is so silly and we all remember the mass panic and let's just help, you know, take it light and help us out. Or going to people like Hearst, uh, the Copley Syndicate newspaper people, um, the New York Times, certainly uh, owners, and saying something may be afoot here. And the last thing we want is for people to panic. This is a very pregnant moment in terms of the Soviet Union. Everybody's a bit jumpy. So just play along with us and we appreciate it. Anyway, those are the two talks.
0: That, I'm sure, enters into it. I think also enters into it is um, people who consider themselves scientists or whatever. They have a very high standard for proof. They also have a very low tolerance for people who they think aren't scientists and aren't looking exactly. at things the right way. And that just, you know, if, there, if nothing else, that contributes to it too because there's a great deal of respect for scientists. especially at that time, it's changing now, um,
2: had little time for that kind of nonsense. Also, I should say, all through that summer, the Times and other media um, keep saying a leading scientist or a respected astronomer or a, a team of psychologists, and they never once name a single name. You know, it just struck me as kind of I
0: can't remember what what the source was. And I've, I've looked this up, and I'm, probably some some of you might know that there was a concerted effort to make it look silly because it would cause some sort of a panic if people took it seriously. So might as well just make it look silly for whatever reason. We don't have an explanation. Let's just what make nice. it look silly because we can't control people's. The only thing we can control is a reaction to it. And we don't want to panic. We don't want any people to think it's the Soviet thing. We don't want them to think we're not in control. We don't. We don't make fun of it because it's stupid, or we want. We think people are stupid. Yeah, we're making
6: we fun of it because result. of
2: the power structure. That's right. Well, I, kind, I couldn't agree with you more.
6: Kind of reference that. Um, are you talking about the Robertson panel? I mean, this, was, well, the this was before was in, this. Is
2: well before that. By the right. end of uh, July, yes. right. I mean, it kept going, but I concluded with some references to the Robertson panel, and right before that. Uh, a reference from Project Sign from, uh, I think, February of 1949. Robertson panel, basically, as we all know, just codified uh, the nonsense and broke it into areas of education and debunking. And a question for you guys. As far as I know, the very first use I've ever come on of the word debunk was in the Robertson panel report. (laughs) I don't know, but it may have been a word created by the CIA. I've never seen an earlier reference to it, and that got me looking. So <laughs> just an interesting. Nah, result, I
5: no.
0: think that word's been around a while. Yeah. It means to take the bunk out of something. will Take the
2: bunk out of something. Yes. That has, but to adjust it and say debunk, I think that word was first used in that report. But yes, I, I remember my grandfather would use, that's a lot of bunk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great 19th century term. Right. But debunk.
0: I always, had a, I always had a problem with that, too. That person's a debunker. Well, if there's bunk in it, why don't they debunk it then? Right.
5: Yeah. <laughs> See, and
2: everybody's got this problem with debunk, my Bunk month. and debunk. Well, yes. that means if they're professionals, why aren't they amateur professionals? <laughs>
5: off, on, off on a tangent.
0: Yeah, or anti, uh, uh, anti-fessionals. Exactly. No most most of the UFO field is filled with anti <laughs> that,
5: That's actually
4: <laughs> pretty true. You'll get no argument out of me that the Robertson panel was tainted, the reports that came out, and and that the intelligence community had good contacts in the press. You bet. And so it's kind of to me like some Still of do. some of my my friends that are interested in the Hollywood connections. We might disagree on what the intent and the ideas and designs behind it were, but yeah, the, the presence can be well-established. that. Try
0: trying to remember when that... Something
4: was taking place
6: there. Um, there was that, that... The
2: report that was commissioned on the War of the Worlds... Oh, um, I'm not sure if it was that, but there was a book... That came out of um, Princeton University Press by a man named Hadley Cantrell.
0: Yeah, that's the one.
2: Called The Invasion from Mars A Study in the Mass Psychology of Panic. And it's fascinating. And it really breaks down the stats. Um, I mean, there were people on Manhattan Island rushing to Dodson River to see Jersey in Flames, that kind of thing.
6: What year was that book? That's what I'm trying to remember cuz it's it, 60s maybe. Yeah, cuz oh, okay. it has to find it online. I've
0: got a recording strangely enough of Orson Welles and H.G. Wells on a radio show together. <laughs> Whoa. From the is <laughs> together mm-hmm. That's from the 1930s amazing. or early 40s, something like that, I guess. H.G. Wells was like in the 70s or 80s. Oh, yeah. They happened You're to done. be in 40s. Fort Worth so or, cool. okay, Fort Worth or Dallas or something. I'll send you it if you want. Oh, and they talk about how the, the the Nazis used the War of the Worlds as propaganda to show how decadent and stupid that democracy was, oh, that they would believe God. something silly like this. probably have to be so, in the
2: 40s, but that's yeah. amazing. Okay, Shoot. this is
0: from my friend Mack White. They kept calling him Herr Hitler, so it might have been around <laughs> about 38, 39,
6: I well, something well, like 38
2: that. 38 October was when the broadcast
6: This is my friend okay. Mack White's um, uh, article, Television in the Hive Mind. Uh, To quote him later, psychologist Hadley Cantrell conducted the study of the effects of the broadcast and published his findings in a book, The Invasion from Mars, a study in the psychology of panic. The study explored the power of broadcast media, particularly as it relates to the suggestibility of human beings under the influence of fear. Cantrell was affiliated with Princeton University's radio research project, which was funded in 1937. By the Rockefeller Foundation, also affiliated with the project was Council on Foreign Relations member and Columbia Broadcasting Executive Frank Stanton, whose network had broadcast the program. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and you know go, would go on to the RAND Corporation. Um, of course, the, the the gist of this article, by my friend, is, is a rather conspiratorial take on on this that that, that this is basically 1940. Them going, yeah, this really could be great for psychological warfare. <laughs> Are you raising your hand, sir? Uh oh, i am just...
0: Touching <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> Do you need to raise your sh- hand? It's radio. <laughs> you, you interrupt rudely. That's how radio <laughs> works. Or, 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 or.
4: Don't you think, and I'll throw this one to Nick, too. Don't you think, along the lines of what Smiles is saying here, that a lot of things got run up the flagpole, and if they had a big mm. impact, they were a lot more likely to be played with some more. Well, yeah,
1: I mean, you know, you can look at the history of the UFO subject and find there are legitimate UFO cases, but equally, there are some clearly delineated events which were orchestrated. I mean, if you go to the um, NSA's website um, and go to their UFO section where you can download all their PDF files of UFOs. There's one which talks about the alleged 1952 UFO crash on the um, Scandinavian island of Spitsbergen and the the section on Spitsbergen, somebody in the NSA has circled it with an arrow going to it and in capital edit it says PLANT. Now Carl Flock was looking into the Aztec story as being a PSYOP uh, possibly to hide a real UFO crash or to convince the Soviets that we had crashed UFOs. So in other words to get to your point, um, Jack, the, there were weird projects related to UFOs that were created to see, to try and achieve a goal. Maybe they worked, maybe they didn't. Uh, and if they didn't work, they were shelved and they moved on to something else. In the same way that, like in your lecture, you talked about how some UFO events may have been MK <coughs> Ultra events. Maybe a few of them worked, maybe they didn't sometimes. And so perhaps some aspects of the Mind control, mind altering technology Was shelved in terms of UFOs But I think with the intelligence world There's there's often this belief If you like That everything is black and white Mm. Sometimes they really do Off the wall things Number one because they can And number two to see what the novel Outcome is of just Screwing with people's minds And putting out stories and see who bites and who listens. Yeah, like your quote yeah. about the the,
0: the, the uh, all-American boy being able to do whatever. What was that, yeah. Was that yeah, George
4: Hunter White uh-huh. in a letter to Gottlieb is quoted by Marx that yeah, you had different people with different motives and as portrayed by Marx, White was just an alcoholic that liked hanging out at the brothels. He <laughs> liked his job. <laughs> and man, this, yeah. You know? Yeah. He's
1: crazy. I mean, what, one other example, nothing to do with UFOs, but the long-standing rumors that during in the Second World War, um, Alistair Crowley was secretly uh, contacted by British intelligence. Oh, yeah. And they basically said, in simplistic terms... Is there any way, if we can't beat the Nazis in the regular way, is there any way that the world of the supernatural could give us an extra hand? Also, I thought that they knew that he was into it, and they were wondering if
0: Crowley could attack him or mess with him, or they could mess with him in some way based on his
1: occult beliefs. Well, that was part of it as well. There were two angles. One was to try and figure out if there actually was some kind of like a supernatural aspect to this that could be implemented against the Nazis. But the other thing was that the Nazis were heavily into the occult and particularly astrology. And British intelligence supposedly um, got Crowley, Crowley on board to essentially create uh, false astro- astrological um, forecasts, etc., of right. a way that would actually... Res- um, Would be would appear to be negative from the perspective of the Nazis. So that was like a a psychological way to attack at a certain time when they would be ready in the British yeah. Yeah. So this would be like a negative psychological approach using the world of the supernatural to try and affect the morale of the Nazis. But the other angle really was looking into the world of the supernatural and if there was a way to use that to try and keep the Nazis across the channel. You know, so they Mm. would never actually meet. Be, um, across the UK, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
6: and then there was the Reagan's and their interest in <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah. Well, the the, uh, the
0: Podesta and his interest is in certain areas. certainly certainly uh, been in the news too. And then the the fact that he was uh, meeting with DeLong and all that. And I, I was talked about this with Nick. I think that a um, that that an aspect or a, a type of Collins elite is the are the people that are communicating with DeLong mm. because they have a certain idea about either demons or some kind of supernatural aspect to it, and they're trying to push that. It sure does sound DeLong. like it, right. even though he's he's he's. Well, look who he had. He was his, his author was Peter Lavenda, and that is his whole shtick. Yeah. Whether you agree with it or not, and I think somebody somebody around is trying to push that agenda for some reason or reasons, because they never do it for just one reason.
6: And again, delay right in the forward to it or whatever.
4: What do you think, Greg, about DeLong being compared to the um, new Benowitz?
0: I think he's a little more aware than Benowitz and a little less subject to his own delusions, but really wacky delusions. Um, I think that uh, he I think he thinks he's doing the right thing and but the only problem is like anybody else in any UFO researcher when somebody important or a group of important people pay attention to you you figure that what they tell they're telling you is true it's very
5: flattering mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and I think he is That's aware true.
0: that he might not be getting told the whole truth or might be getting no, told that. mostly not the truth but I don't know I mean I I think that he's, his his ideas let me get this stuff out because there's enough truth in it that I think it'll help the world or whatever and um, I at one point I wanted to <laughs> I know somebody that knows him. I wanted to get him on the show and and, uh, and and debate someone like Robbie and Robbie said he'd do it and then he said, you know what, I don't want to be known as the anti-Tom DeLonge guy notwithstanding his DeLonge delusion parts one and two um, things he wrote about it. Yeah. Well, just as a quick which aside. Which now actually referred to when he had DeLong on which to his credit which I thought was great. Just as a quick aside,
1: a lot of people think that, you know, he's sort of sprung up from nowhere. Oh, no, no, no. He's, he's actually had a an interest in UFOs a long time. I mean, they're one Eighty 182s band, the, the band he was in, in, on their, I forget the year, it was back in the 90s, they put an album out called Enema of the State, yeah. and that actually has a song on it called um, Aliens Are Real, and that song actually mentions Majestic 12. Yeah, the, 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 the final he has the sonic
0: symbols on his guitar yeah, strap. Yeah,
1: the, <laughs> the final line of the song is 12 Majestic Lies. <laughs> and he, he actually came along to one of Ryan Wood's conferences yes. in, I think it was either 2006. He was at in the International UFO conference last yeah, year. Yeah, uh, this was back in 2006 or seven. He specifically came along to see Jim Mars' lecture. Oh, and okay. I hung out with him and had a chat with him about his interest in all that. And oh, you uh, did? Yeah. So did know that. Yeah, so he's been interested in the Hold stuff for. What's that? What did he say? Well, I recognized him because I knew he was the singer in Blink 182, and I said, uh, and he, came, he was walking past the tables, I was at my book table, and I said, hey, I like your band, you know, we got chatting, and he said, oh, thanks, you know, we got chatting, and I said, aye, for the comrades, and he said, no, I'm just here to see Jim Mars' lecture, and uh, I forget what Jim was speaking about, it may have been the Aurora crash perhaps, okay. but, um, and he was there with two other guys who may have been in his side band, I'm not sure but he's, he's been into, into all this not proactively but from a personal interest angle for more than a decade yeah. like a decade and a half
3: Is well is there a strategy to try to get the young into yeah, I ufology think that's part of it and then also to change the focus to a more spiritual based aspect of it or
0: to make people steer people toward the spiritual aspect of it or that a certain view of it that is is um more from my from my point of view faith-based meaning um you know christian faith-based in that uh, that the influence is demonic that's what i'm getting from it because they say look at history look how far back this goes anytime these things come up in history it's not for the good of man and so and that that's echoed in some of um uh, nick's collins elite stuff and I, I see this coming out in, in the in, in the DeLong stuff. You know, I I may be off base here, but I don't think so. And um along with some sort of strange kind of disclosure, I suppose, but the thing is it's wrapped up in so much so much propagandist BS that I don't really know what the disclosure part of it is. Mm. You know? And I don't like that I don't like that phrase anyway. What do you think of disclosure as a as an idea?
2: I think that the so-called disclosure movement, which is now worldwide, even if very tiny in different countries, what they're doing that's positive, beginning to educate their friends, their neighbors, their families to um, aspects of the subject of UFOs that people like me take seriously. Mm. Uh, As a political movement, um, I think it's a dream. Um, It's not going to happen that way. Um, I like the idea of people working together for a common goal, and for me, it's more about people than it is about them. Uh, Philosophically, if we had a critical mass of people on Earth who took the subject of life, that we're not alone in the universe, seriously, we might begin to be thinking of ourselves more as human beings first, and whatever our nationality, religion, religion,
5: yeah, that's uh, sexual that's, that's orientation, definitely a, part of a movement, yeah. that's
2: a positive force. It's right. an anti-nationalist force which keeps country groups together but keeps individuals divided. Um, I I think Steve Bassett is one of the most dedicated people I've ever met and that he would like to create a worldwide movement. Um, I I don't know if it's possible uh, or even completely wise. How do you um announce to the world that we're not alone, we're being visited, and leave it at that, without talking about creepier possible aspects of it. Um, And I, you know, you go to a weekend like this, and everybody's kind of gaga about it, either pro and con. But we're in a bell jar here. This isn't the real world in Roswell for these four days. Mm -hmm. I think the great majority of people in the world are completely unprepared for this kind of thing. And we don't tend to think about them that much. It's just... You know, you'll get used to it. You'll know, have a couple of bad weeks. I, I don't think that's the way to approach it.
0: Uh, really, I, I do think that they'll get you if it really is what they think it is, which I don't think it is. Is everybody <laughs> will freak out for a couple of months and then they got to go back to actually getting you know, going to work and all that yeah. because they'll notice yeah. that Lie their lives haven't really dead. changed that much. Yeah. You know? See? The other thing I don't like about the movement, <laughs> the good aspect I never really considered. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> but it's couched in the it's couched in the idea that you must tell us what we already believe to be true. And if you don't tell that's us in the way point. that we that's believe it. it to be true, you more. are
2: giving us this information. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's a big fucking problem.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, what, no if if
1: what if there's disclosure and the government says, but cattle mutilations were actually part of a program to try and just monitor the cattle herd to make sure the Russians weren't infecting them with viruses. People who are buying into the cattle mutilations as ET will say, "Well, we haven't really got full dis- We haven't got really got proper disclosure. They're lying to us about that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, how do you prove anything?
0: Yeah. The other it, thing it, is, why cool. do you want? Why do you go to Daddy to tell you the truth when you don't believe him about anything? Yeah,
4: else? Yeah. I'm <laughs> of bringing up the point that the mind control community got its disclosure. Huh, and yeah. you know, in the seventies and that doesn't mean that every conspiracy perpetrated or that the CIA is accused of is accurate or every person that considers themselves a, a victim is correct and so mm-hmm. you still have a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. If if we were given even E T disclosure, we still have to figure out if it mm-hmm. Phoenix Lights is yeah. You know, yeah, applicable. that's the other thing. It's yeah. like, okay,
0: yes, they're really here. Well, does that mean Which all lines? this other stuff?
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? So too many assumptions. Maybe that's why there's yeah, no disclosure. A, it's like, well, we can't because it'll, everything will go It's haywire.
4: really not feasible the more you think about it. No, it's not. It's it just like a really a re- really either on a, a very rhetoric. basic,
0: this is exactly what we think it is level, or the more esoteric and so many implications level. And on on mm-hmm. every level it's wrong and would not work.
5: Mm-hmm. So
0: I I, I, yeah. I, can't, I, I would never try to get through that through to Steve Bassett, because I did a couple times and he he had a very negative reaction to it.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the the cases like Nick was talking about that you know our NSA or CIA even if hypothetically they were willing to give you some that are true unknowns mm. even from their perspective well then the ones that aren't on the list are compromising their yeah. national security yeah. so they right yeah there's too much <laughs> yeah
1: yeah one true. thing i would say about disclosure is i agree with peter in the sense that most of the people who are in the disclosure movement are genuine people pushing for disclosure and sincerely think it could happen I do believe that but what I get sick and tired of is going to conferences Somebody standing up and saying, I've got a source who's you know said disclosure's coming next year oh, the amount of times since I 2001 oh, I've been God. to conferences where yeah. the words it's coming next year yeah. or the year after it's been happening I mean, since the 50s well it's been gone yeah. and if you look in the 70s Leonard Streamfield wrote about it in one of his status reports Um, In the early 80s, I remember, uh, even as a kid back then, that... when Linda Howe was approached by the Air Force and they wanted to make, a, this, make this film, that was going to be the start of disclosure. Mm-hmm. When the MJ-12 document surfaced, that was going to be the start, and we were going to get more and more. UFO cover-up live in 1988, oh, that was God. supposed to be yeah. the start of it. And I remember there
2: was people talking <laughs> about 1993. in was the was 50s. The you know, yeah. uh, It's like the return of Jesus.
1: Well, I look at it, it like the sense. boy who cried wolf, where eventually people aren't going to listen and my view on disclosures really? if you've listen. got something genuinely just 100% genuine you you've been told it's coming and you're and it is coming tell people but if you you know instead of just saying it's coming it's coming and it just shut coming. shut the hell up until you know for sure it is then tell us <laughs> you know we don't need to keep being told it may come it, yeah it might come
0: but it, it might also not.
2: desensitizes people to yeah. that possibility yeah. everybody keeps saying it and it doesn't happen the hell with yeah. this because if yeah. it does happen it's, it's going to be in a way
0: that nobody even notices for quite a long while I think that's
2: that's the disclosure
5: yeah.
2: or the, the
0: Whitley-Strieber idea that everybody has their own I had this I uh, had uh, Jeff Ritzman on my show and he said you can have your own contact, you, you can do it and I said really how do you do it he goes nah, I don't want to talk about it <laughs> I said we are all adults here, please tell us And he said, go out somewhere at night, um, go to the same place, in a quiet place in the country, and imagine that something's going to happen. Yeah, this is like what Streber did. Um, He said about somewhere between 40 and 50% of the people he tell to do this have something happen within less than a week. Now, I don't know if that works. I don't know if he's telling the truth. I'm sure he is. I encourage people to go out and do it, which is why I said the thing at the conference. I said, I think people should go out and ask for it and see what happens. You know, like and I, I brought up Valet's idea, you cannot study a volcano from ten miles away. Eventually you have to go up next to it and <laughs> and, and take a look at it. Or at least some people do. A um, inside home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well it might blow up in your face. But um the the, the thing is that my idea is that if enough people take it upon themselves to learn as much as they can, this stump bubbles up from the bottom. It doesn't have to be given to us from above. Yeah, that's and that's something
6: I've heard And it's all going to be different, which is unfortunate. But this, uh, this, uh, the, 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 this is a democratizing kind of thing, a bottom up. Yeah, in the most, so and the most democratizing
0: way possible, where everybody has a, a different idea, but they all sort of know they're looking at the same thing.
6: We're creating disclosure through talking about it.
0: Well, I hope so. I mean, I, what do you think, Jack? You, you, I don't think you've ever heard me say such a silly thing.
4: I don't think that's silly. And and everybody's entitled to, to believe what they want to believe and think what they want. Um, I think the, these kinds of discussions, valid as they may be, are why the topic is so often it it moves right into spirituality or religious um, comparisons states of consciousness they're all just a shade or two removed from one another and i don't necessarily mean that negatively Mm -hmm. it it just is and in fact what i was kind of sitting here thinking while y'all were talking is um Really how much difference is there between envisioning something and it being real? And
0: that was the basis of most a lot of my talk.
4: Yeah, actually. Yeah, and you know, it it depends on a lot of factors when you a person goes in their residence at night and it's dark and you're looking for the light Well, the mood you're in depends on where you've been and what you've been doing. Whether it's frightening when you're in there or whether you're careless, it depends on you know if you've been out having fun or if you've been at a slasher movie, you know. (laughs) And so, uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I I, no. I don't think what you were saying is crazy. Um, It's an aspect. I just think. I think
0: it's. I think it's an important key. It's mm-hmm. not the only one, but for me personally and for people I know, it seems like an important key. Mm-hmm. Um, di- direct direct experience somehow. Because you can't tell people what something is like. It's something weird like this. You can tell them what flying a plane is like or you know, jumping off a diving board or driving a car or whatever the hell, or walking your dog, but you can't tell people about what this is like. They have to just experience it, otherwise it's, it's academic. We're being academic here. Peter is not academic <coughs> because he's experienced this. I haven't really I don't know if any any of you have Mandatory DMT for everyone (laughs) (laughs) Look under your all year old's chair as I've (laughs) taped
1: and a pipe and (laughs) Nick, have you ever had a UFO sighting? No, I haven't I've had a lot of weird like weird synchronicities I get a lot of those and I never dismiss synchronicities but I've never had a personal encounter but you know, for me would I like to? Yeah but on the other hand, I guess there is that angle of remaining kind of detached, which can be frustrating if you want to see a UFO, but from the perspective of investigating it, I don't feel any need to promote this theory over another. I don't want it to be this anymore. Yeah. Any I just want the answer.
2: Absolutely. You know? um, so. Two weeks ago in Athens um, at this Wilhelm Wright conference, a British colleague was there. And we were talking about um, the tremendous cultural impact the uh, X-Files series had in the 1990s, uh, especially the first years. And the iconic poster, those four words were <laughs> obviously carefully yeah. chosen. And he said, yeah, I don't want to believe, I want to know. Well Yeah, for a while, we're we've just about out of time
0: here. For a while, um, 40 and Times was selling posters that said, I sort of believe. And I really wanted one <laughs> oh, of those. Oh, great.
5: <laughs> I'm sorry. I think <laughs> I'm sticking that
0: on my t-shirt page that's when I get back. Wonderful. I sort of believe. Because that is, that is a perfect encapsulation of somebody that can have an agnostic um, uh, attitude about all this. I know people who believe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, Anything that somebody that I kept or anybody else kept anybody from from saying that they would like to uh, bring up here or promote anything or you'll see me here or Adam is can say something about his show please conspira normal
3: well to add to what um, smiles was saying earlier I saw, I've seen a meme going around on Facebook where it does like a little bag with like psychedelic mushrooms in it and it says it's, it says how to see space aliens and UFOs yeah <laughs> on top of it yep uh, yeah um Promote the show, um, conspirnormal. dot um, Like I said, everybody in this room has has been or will be on the show. So, you know, all right. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank uh-huh. you. Uh, Miles, is uh, do you want to you want to push? Uh,
6: uh, uh, I already did my pusher man.
5: Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs>
0: I'm the pusher man. Uh, Jack's, Jack's book is The Grays Have Been Framed. You can find that on right Amazon and
4: you can you can find it on Amazon. My blog is the UFO Trail, ufo and thank you very much for having me.
0: Oh, I thanks for being on the show it. and thanks for um, I've in- Truly, actually enjoyed hanging out with you this weekend. I mean, I, I have I've seen your name, I've read your stuff for a long time, and I was like, I wonder what Jack's like. Thank and I, you. actually, I was on when you were on. Uh, I was uh, running the the web uh, the night you were on uh, coast to coast, so I actually had heard you before. And since yeah. then, I've wanted to meet you, so this is great. Thank you, Peter. Peter, uh, anything you want to push besides I'm Peter Robbins.
5: Not right And now, you're no. not.
6: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that was Chevy Chase's old. Yes, movie. it was. God. I've been watching old Saturday nights. They are
5: mind-blowingly, mind-blowingly
2: amazing, the it, first four years. Absolutely hysterical. Yeah. Uh, I was walking with my friend, he was talking about, he uh, just said, damn it, I'm Gumby, damn it. And yeah. I completely cracked up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Some brilliant stuff. Uh, no, nothing special. It's been an amazing couple of weeks for me. Were you uh, showing up soon? Um, my next real um, gig is uh, Labor Day weekend in beautiful historic Exeter, New Hampshire. Ah, yes, yes in Exeter Incident uh, <clears throat> uh, Festival. Yeah, and yeah. it is um, more and more trying to become an event that will uh, support the community, help educate people, kids have a good time, and the coolest thing is the town has given us the Town hall to use cost free, the mayor's mm-hmm. big booster. Mm-hmm. And um, in 1860, Abraham Lincoln stood on that stage and uh, he said, UFOs are real. Well,
5: <laughs> <laughs> I intuited the
2: spot where he did that and gave my talk from that spot. And um, so far, <laughs> Nothing in my life has changed. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's a good event. If you're in New England, if you can make it there, it's wonderful. And uh, let's see, this year it'll be, I think, shockingly, myself, Kathy Martin, possibly Stan, uh, the man uh, Friedman, and Richard Dolan, uh, some good local researchers, and... uh, The town is as pretty as a courier knives print. It is New England personified. And um, be there or be square.
0: (laughs) All right. Come on, Nick. Put, put, Um, Put all your stuff. Well, Nick, Nick um, sh- see, see Nick sh- Redford in this way
2: just <laughs> completed Nick, book Nick,
0: number 847
1: yeah, Nick, Nick Nazi punks fuck off
5: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna
1: come, come to another conference and see me get into another fight
5: <laughs>
1: which might be more the entertaining than the conference I don't know but um, the next thing I'm working on um, is a book that comes out at the end of January which is a study of the whole Slenderman phenomenon, as how it began as this um, competition almost to try and create the creepiest creature on the internet and uh. how now people are seeing it in the real world uh-huh. and could that be driven by collective consciousness and belief creating sort of like a tulpa thought form of the Slenderman so we have the fictional Slenderman and the the will to believe creates a sort of quasi-real
6: Slenderman. Mm. So that'll that, be out in
1: January. And isn't that really what
0: UFOs are? Yes, it is. Maybe not. They're all flown by the Slenderman. Thank you, everybody, from uh, Roswell, July 2nd, 2017. Um, yes, I know, you said you wanted to pick the... <laughs> Jack hasn't been on, but I want to have him on my show by himself, so he'll get to pick his music when he's on. Adam asked to pick the end music and I'll probably have to play it off my phone off of YouTube and then replace it with a, with a well uh, I
3: actually have it on my phone so Okay, we can, play, we can play it off mine alright uh, the Pixies Motorway to Roswell
5: alright
1: oh one. thank you yes he ended up in army crates mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> down towards the bottom alright you got it turned all the way up yep there we go
1: Man uh, in Black said, so is best one though, is yeah, black. yeah that's a good one
0: yeah, yeah we, we can talk while this is going I, I will replace it thank you all so much Hold up. That's not it? That's Space to Stacy Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like I should have recognized it. It's Bowie, right? Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This will be posted soon. And um, Radio Mysterio so will probably be back, back next week, depending on if I, I can find somebody. It might be Jack, actually. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody for staying up,
6: coming to the room and Thank doing this, this, this
1: impromptu. Yeah. <laughs> it's
6: great. Weekend.
5: Where we are, but it's so great.